0: Hi, I'm Katie Piper and you're listening to the Disruptive Entrepreneur
1: Podcast. Let's mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, our next guest is one of the most wonderful, beautiful, inspiring people I think we've ever had on the show and that you might ever meet in your entire life. So she was involved in a horrific acid attack in 2008. She was... Uh, also raped. She was left blind in one eye and major damage to her body, of which she discusses some of that in this podcast, though. She doesn't let that define her. Uh, she's gone on to do some amazing things since. She's got three quarters of a million Instagram followers. She does so much charity work. She's author of nine best best-selling books. She's had her own TV show and documentaries. Uh, so this was a real privilege. She, she's also a big fan of the show, and she listens on her morning walks and runs, as you'll hear in the episode. We talk about her life, her career, becoming an author, about money, about podcasting. It kind of starts as an interview, but it gets more and more just as a conversation between us on some of the things that you know we like to share about. So I think you're going to love this. And I don't know if you know this, so I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we also publish. The video versions of the disruptive entrepreneur, the interviews, just the interviews on the official Rob Moore YouTube channel, the official Rob Moore. So, if you ever want to watch them afterwards or you want to see the dynamic between myself and the guest, then you can go there too. So, let's get straight into the interview with the lovely, amazing Katie Piper. Let me get the door for oh, you. Yes. <laughs> how are you? I'm good,
0: how are you? Yeah, very good. Nice to see you. You there.
1: too, thanks for doing the interview. I'm really right. appreciate I'm it.
0: i quite excited. Yeah, yes. oh, great. Yeah. Come
1: through. We're all ready for you. Oh, course. Cool. Yeah. Hi,
0: are you? Do you
1: live, you live just down the road, do you?
0: Yeah, and I'm still late. How about oh,
1: that's that? all right. Don't worry, you're not much late. I um, that's went all right.
0: to, school to school before coming here. Oh, OK. Um, and had to go to the most boring road safety meeting, uh-huh. holding hands, crossing the road. Oh,
1: right, yeah. <laughs> I suppose these things have got to be done, haven't yeah,
0: they? Yeah, she's only five, so I felt like if I don't go, then I'm yeah. like the horrible mum that didn't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you
1: have a late night after the podcast awards? Um, for me, yeah. Oh, OK. I... Yeah. I, I yeah, I go to bed early if I can. Right, yeah,
0: me too. was mm. quite a good event, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I thought so. I mean, we, were, um, we weren't in the main room. They had us in the second room. Oh, OK. Which all was... Right. There weren't even seats. Yeah. So we were all just sort of... So that was a bit...
0: I was surprised
1: how many people were there. That's oh, yeah. Loads. Yeah, la- we, I went last year and they just filled the, the main auditorium and this time they filled the second room. Um, Shows how
0: many people have got a podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really growing. The one thing that's always a shame for us it's when we old. go is... Um, they don't really have any non-fiction or business.
0: I know. It's, it's, to feed the cable thank you. Down, so. Yeah. Which is the main reason I started listening to yeah. podcasts, to learn stuff, yeah. you know? And it's all kind of like celebrity, comedy,
2: yeah. health. Politics. But yeah. yeah.
0: It's not, which I think if you look at figures, surely the, the main thing people are using it for is to educate themselves yeah. and to better themselves, yeah. you know?
1: So, yeah, we, that's always, it, it just doesn't seem to have any categories for that. Then um, we need to
0: suggest it.
1: Yeah, well, Jake, um, you know Jake from EastEnders? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he messaged me straight after and he says, we should set up our own one. Because we do a lot. I do a lot of events. So I was like, oh, I'm tempted. But then, if you set up your own, you can't win yourself. Maybe <laughs> <Wow. laughs> have your own category.
0: But then, I don't listen to podcasts um, for like pleasure. No, I don't listen no, to comedy either. or anything like that.
1: No, um,
0: I only listen to learn something. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe, I was thinking that the other day. Maybe I'm too boring. Like, <laughs> I need to have more, like, fun. No, well, that, I, like, I sometimes like, think
1: that because I know so a lot of people talk about podcasts that are, like, really addictive. Yeah. But I tend to watch Netflix for the kind of escapism. Yeah.
0: Like, everyone talks about that my dad wrote a porno. Yeah. So I tried to... I'm only really listening in the car, I'm so I tried to listen.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but I have my kids in the car, so I couldn't yes. listen to it in front of my kids. And then when I listened to it, I was like, I don't find it that funny. I'm, no. I'm just bored. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Maybe I need to laugh more. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but
1: I think, yeah, I feel like comedy on the visual medium is easier.
0: Yeah. Because or you can go... see
1: the people, the body language. Yeah.
0: Or I'll go to a real stand up show, yeah. you know, as a night out. You know, I'd prefer that, really. Mm. I do take my house seriously. You right. know, I eat well, I don't take drugs, no. don't smoke. So, yeah.
1: Maybe I should start taking drugs this morning. Right, you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for doing the podcast, Katie. Pleasure. So this is difficult in a way for me because what I don't want to do is talk to you about the same story you've told probably 100,000 times. Right. Um, and um, I interviewed actually Levi Roots a couple of weeks ago and ju- just off camera he said, uh, don't ask me all them boring questions, ting, kind of ting. And, you know, he, di- he didn't want me to ask him all the stuff the that everyone asks him. Yeah. But then what what is there left to talk about or, you know, you are so defined by that story.
0: Well, am I? I
1: mean, that's okay, the thing. Yeah. That, yeah. That- that's a question, not a statement.
0: Yeah. So in my private life, no, I, I'm not at all. You know, I mean, I don't even have the same name in my private life. So, you know, I've I've married. I've my life's moved on. I'm am a mum oh, to you two have an, children. You have a name. I have a different name. Different name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Katie's not even my name. Oh. I was. So, and Piper's not my surname oh. anymore. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, what happened to me? I'm nearly thirty-six now. What happened to me was a very small snapshot. You know, I think of my of a life like a movie, and that was. A very small scene in that movie, and it, and it doesn't define me at all. You know, it's very much my past, and the past doesn't really exist anymore. Mm. You know, so I suppose in you know lazy journalism, if you were writing an article about me, it'd be really easy to say. Um, acid-attack girl, which kind of mm. sounds like a superhero with pants over there, Charles, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Um, it uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, which sounds cool. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Or, or acid-attack victim, which is somebody that would be dead because yeah. if you're a victim, you didn't survive something, you yeah. know? So, yeah, it's, it's just something that happened to me in my 20s and I've done so many more things and I'm so many more different things to different people now yeah. than just you know someone that got burnt sure you know so
1: and I'd love to talk about all those things a lot more than the past stuff so we'll definitely get to that and we've got a lot of common interests which we'll cover yeah but I do like to debate and discuss as well because I think that creates good content mm-hmm. and and you say it, it it hasn't defined you or it doesn't define you but you also just said to me off camera you have A lot of people that support you that also have disabilities and relate to you and probably look up to you and admire you because of what you've gone through. So is there an argument that it has created something in your life that it wouldn't have had it not happened?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I suppose that is all hindsight, isn't it? You know, if I said to you, who were you in your 20s and who are you different in your 30s? And what do you attribute that to? There's so many things that change us um and we're different in different decades of our life so what what person would I have been in my 30s if I wasn't burnt none of us know that um you know I I do believe when the shit kind of hits the fan I always think, okay there's going to be a blessing around the corner because that that's my kind of theory have you
1: always felt like that or did sort of the post event kind of teach you gratitude
0: Um, it it emphasised it for me, but, you know, growing up, I've always been self-employed. So I've always known that struggle and that panic of like, hang on a minute, there's no work booked in, haven't got any money, what am I going to do? Then the following month, wow, big job. Oh my God, I am doing the right thing. I'm loaded. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm loaded, you know. So I've always known that kind of struggle and and had to have a work ethic. Mm. So I think that's always helped.
1: By the way, sorry, just to jump in. You said struggle, but Mm. do you also find that exciting, the kind of you know, self-employed lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I so basically I got a trade. So I left school, went to a tech college and I got a trade of um, beauty therapy Mm. and then I did a kind of practical side and then I did... um, sort of anatomy and physiology um, course as well so that I could go on to do something academic as a backup yeah. um, and I always hated the thought I think I used to earn £700 a month as a beauty therapist and I hated the thought of knowing it will always be £700 mm. because I'll always be able to buy some food, some rent and go out for a bit and do a couple of drink sweeps on the bar and <laughs> get the empty drinks because I ran out of money yeah. and I, I can't live life like this so I um, increased my learning, did some extra courses and then I stole a bit of equipment from my I started going in the evenings. <laughs> well, you know, I started going in the evenings to houses and doing cash in hand treatments on women, yeah. so that my earnings each month would be unpredictable and different. And sometimes they'd be high, mm. sometimes they'd be lower. And and I kind of got like a kick out of that. Yeah. And and like, well, what can I do next month? Mm. And and what if I work the hours other people won't work? Yeah. What if I don't take a break? What if I do the bank holidays when everyone else takes them off? Mm. And so I kind of had that way. But what happened to me was beyond like a career thing of pushing myself and working long hours what happened to me was experiencing not being part of society not feeling human not being accepted and it was on a real high level that you don't expect to experience in your 20s and the comparison was so great because when I was in my 20s my job relied on my aesthetics and my look and I was really glamorous and then I didn't just kind of you know like some people will naturally age Or they'll start dressing more sensible because they've become a parent. And that will be a natural decline that will be very gradual. But when you are in an accident or an attack where you become disabled or disfigured, it's everything changes in a second. And, you know, that's a bit like when you go bust or bankrupt, things change in a second and it's a mighty fall. So I suppose in a way that kind of helped me and equipped me for the world I work in now like, is, is full of rejection and it's quite a shallow world as well. So in a way, that's equipped me quite well to deal with that. Mm. Not to say that I don't sometimes fall apart and not feel robust because I'm human, but I I've, I always feel like I've experienced something that people experience in their 70s. So, you know, as we get older, people are passing away around us. Life is changing, situations are changing, and, and it's difficult. But that happens at the end of our life, and I had that in my prime and i was doing things like learning to use a cup again and having speech therapy at 24 when my friends were getting mortgages getting engaged and it was a weird kind of contrast mm. you know i didn't have an adult life in my 20s wow. i had i was like a toddler in my 20s yeah. so probably why now i am a bit like you quite fast paced cuz i got a lot of living to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and i also know you know, I nearly died. So I know it's cliche about talking about how short life is, but you always postpone things because when you're 20, you've got ages. Yeah. And then I was suddenly like, I don't have ages. And actually, no one knows if they have ages. So that, that was kind of a double edged sword, but I think in a way, in the long run, a positive thing. Mm. That was a long answer. Yeah, wasn't no, it? That's all right.
1: And I interrupted your initial answer. That's yeah. good. And I probably won't even look at these questions, I rarely do, which, which is great. So, um, there's a couple of things I want to come to, but I'd be really fascinated to sort of know about your day or your week, you know, what you do, because I guess a lot of people, whether they know you or not, don't know what work you're in and just sort of your typical week. And if you're rushing around all the time and if you say yes to all opportunities and what you do and what you turn down and what your vision for your career is and how you get your income streams and all of that. Yeah. I'd love to get an insight into that. And I also think if you were listening to a podcast, that's what you'd want me to ask someone as a exactly. as a listener. So. Just take us through what you do and how you do it.
0: So no day is the same, which is why I, I want this path for me, because I can't – I have a short attention span. Um, I thought I was stupid at school. Um, I now understand I wasn't. I'm, I just wasn't academic like mm. other people um, and, and have that short attention span. But I am interested in things and I am excited by life and I do have a passion, mm. but I just learn in, in a different way. Um And my day has changed over the years. When I was childless, when I was single, I said yes to everything and did everything. I've experienced burnout. I've experienced being a people pleaser and being a yes person to the detriment of my own happiness. I've pretended to be happy when I'm not and and I've realised how kind of toxic that can be. So nowadays I say no to more things and prioritise things. I am not directly motivated by money and material things i do work for free even now and i believe in working for free because i believe in longevity and long-term payoff and investment um, like you i'm a massive believer in pa- creating passive income so because you know my most important thing to me are my children so i try to set things up where i can spend my time with my kids and be earning money elsewhere um, i'm a big believer um, in charity because I used to be on disability benefits and I used to benefit from charity and I always promised myself that where I could, I would help people like people help me because some people changed my life and they probably don't even know or they don't even know they helped me. That They don't know where their money went and it might have gone to me. Um, so a lot of the things I do with my charity... Then, you know, not purposely have helped me commercially because you network with people, people like you. They want to work with you elsewhere Mm. in business. So, yeah, I mean, a typical day could be sometimes getting up at 5 a.m., working flat out, traveling, not seeing my kids at all for two, three days. But I don't carry guilt. Like Mm. that's what I do. They know I work hard. Another typical day could be getting up, not getting dressed, watching (laughs) CBBBs, going to the park, going to baby class, doing the school run. So I suppose there isn't a typical day. Mm. Um, And I used to get insecure about that. I used to be like, I don't have a job today. I'm Mm. a failure. What am I doing? Um, Or I'm away working. I'm a horrible mum. don't deserve kids. And I've kind of, through self-help, through audiobooks, through podcasts, I've got rid of that insecurity and I've got rid of that ego Um, and also because of, you know, I talked when I got here today telling you about my health, you know, I've had lots of different health problems through my life, and it's changed my relationship with money and material items. Because, you know, it doesn't private health care can't stop you from dying, Mm -hmm. you know, and all these material items. Like when I got attacked, the police went into my flat, took loads of my material possessions for evidence, my landlord binned the rest. And I just, like, lived at my parents' house with, like, a little travel bag. And I had nothing. Had I had those possessions, it wouldn't have changed my recovery either. So, you know, I pulled up today in my car. It's a smart car. Um, it would be... you <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I saw you coming
2: yeah. up. It was great. Yeah.
0: Um, I used to drive a Mercedes convertible. I realised I didn't need it. My husband drives a Range Rover. I don't need to be... Insured. I'm not even insured in it. I don't need it. There's no point. I don't have a watch. The only piece of jewellery I wear is my, my wedding ring. Um... But saying that money is important to us because we're paying for our kids' education, Mm. we're investing in property. So I have a relationship with money, but it's not a traditional one that some people might
1: have. Yeah. So you said earlier um, you do some things for free and you're interested in passive income. Yeah. So what things do you do for free and then what assets are you building for passive income
0: so things for free would be on a case-by-case basis. So, you know, hundreds of inquiries come in daily uh, yeah. and, you know, I'll look at them on in individual cases. Um, so if it's helping somebody or mentoring somebody or contributing to a group of people and I think I can help and that it's worth their time and my time, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. If it means I'll miss my child's bedtime for the third time in the row, I have to say, no, I can't go and help other people's children over mine first. And I've got to look at my marriage and my family. And sometimes in the past, I've been guilty of not not doing that. And then my relationships suffer. Um, And just things I care about and like, I'll do, you Mm -hmm. know. And sometimes if there's brands I want to work with, I won't necessarily work for free of a brand because they're making money. Yeah. But if I can see, uh, you know, a kind of benefit in networking and, and doing something, then I will. And the same with actually you can set up a business and not pay yourself. And look at the long term mm. and, and, and look at actually what's it going to do. Is that going to be there as a pension for you? You know, I have my own podcast and it's not necessarily I set something up to get paid that day for my time. Mm. Do you run ads on your
2: podcast?
0: I do have ads on my podcast, so it has started to make money, not yeah. big money, yeah. um, but the podcast is going to be there forever. Yeah. And it's giving a platform to kind of voiceless people and I get to meet people that excite me. Mm. Um, and I believe in that thing of it's putting good stuff out into yes. society. So I'll probably get the karma back, yeah. you know. So that's exactly so, how
1: I've set up this podcast. Yeah. You'll probably be, what episode will Katie be? 390 something. Yeah. Like almost 400. Yeah. And I've never run one ad. And um, hey, look, I've not got the biggest podcast in the world, but I've not got the smallest one either. And if I turned on the ads, uh, then um, th- there'd be a decent amount of money that would come in. Yeah. But then I might just lose the connection with some of the fan base. Yeah. And it might slow down the the, the global reach. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I think that some assets can be that you don't pay yourself on your time. Yes. But in the future, like big podcasts now, they do road shows and tours. Yeah. You know, and then they can sell tickets to that. Yeah. People find me and my companies. Obviously, you have a, you've uh, done some stuff with Progressive, my yes. company, and the people find our companies at first because they stumbled upon the podcast somewhere.
0: Yeah, so it never really is working for free. You know, when yes. people say that, you're like, yeah. well, okay, you're not getting the currency of the British pound, but I'm getting enriched mm. by the product. You know, if I'm doing something for charity, it's it's never selfless, really, because yeah. yeah. you still get fulfilment. Mm. So,
1: And you're building yeah. an asset. I mean, every podcast episode is an asset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: you spend your time here. Yeah. Um, let's say it's an hour, 90 minutes. For maybe the next 10 years, mm-hmm. that is an asset that sits online that people can listen to every day. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, and then some of the things that you're trying to create passive income from from assets, what are they?
0: So yeah, I came uh, to Progressive. It wasn't that long ago actually. I think That's it was when we first met. Yeah, it? I yeah. think it was a year or two, maybe mm. yeah, maybe two years, uh, because I was interested um, in investing in property. Because you know, when you work in media, you might have months where you're getting good lump sums of money. You might have months where you're getting no money at mm. all. And you know, I've experienced the fragility in life. And I suppose, you know, one of my anxieties is I've had everything taken away from me and that's a really scary place to be. And I have my earning potential stripped away from me. So I don't like to feel vulnerable in business in that sense. Um, But I am a risk taker. I'm a controlled risk taker. So what Progressive did for me is it gave me it educated me, it gave me tools, but it gave me confidence mm. to take a risk, yeah. but a measured risk, not a reckless risk. Um, so from coming on the course, you know, my husband's a builder, yeah. so he came on the course with me, and from that course, we've invested into property and we've gone into HMOs. Right. So and we've done it in London. Yeah. Um, so it's been fun, and it's been quite fun as husband and wife because yeah. we've got, you know, we've got different skills, a couple of arguments on the way, a <laughs> couple of disagreements. Yeah. Um, You've but done yeah. well if it's only a couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, it's not, it's not been too bad, and. Um, it's been quite exciting and interesting and it takes the pressure off me in my mm. career as well. Yeah. Um, and then in my career, I, um, work on a royalty basis with a lot of the books and the audio that I produce. Mm. Um, I send a lot of products as yeah. well. I work in fashion as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I work internationally with a lot of my stuff, a lot of stuff's been translated and I work in different market areas. So yeah. I do have quite a bit of, um, passive income mm. and, you know, although I, um, I take risk. I do set up things like ISAs and pensions and things like that. So I try and spread myself and never put all my kind of eggs in one basket or, you know, the younger me would have been like, I want to work in telly, and that was my only plan. And if it didn't work out, okay, I had my trade, so I had that kind of practical thing. Whereas if now I don't think I'm going to be on telly forever, I'm going to be writing books forever Mm. because I know that could end tomorrow. So I kind of think the older me now is a bit more practical about spreading myself.
1: Mm. So um, you listen to the podcast, everyone listens knows I'm a massive fan, a bang on about this, multiple streams of income. Multiple. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're a believer of that?
0: Yeah, I am, because when I was younger, like, my job was about my appearance and... When you're young, you know, you think, oh, disease, disability, sickness, that happens in movies, mm. it happens on the news, it doesn't even directly affect anyone I know. You know, it was that one person that came into assembly who'd learn about a school. And then all of a sudden, I lost my eyesight, I lost my face, I lost my health. Yeah, I couldn't even swallow my own saliva. My esophagus got melted. And and you just realise, no, nobody's immune to anything. Life is unpredictable. Mm. Um, So it's funny how an injury like that can change how you operate in personal, professional, in everything, you know.
1: Mm. Why Katie and then not Katie? Did you want a different persona?
0: Yeah, it was like a stage name, Katie, um, and... Then it just kind of stuck, really. It was a, before I got burnt, I used it as a stage name. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Is she really? It's just Kate. So, oh, it's not okay. a big well, contrast. No, yeah. No. yeah. Dave. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of evolved for me. In the beginning, um, I was an inpatient in hospital for three months, quarter of a year. Mm. And I, I needed a lot of psychiatric help. Um, so, I would see a um, psychologist every single day. Um, and one of the things she told me to do was to write. Um, And for different reasons, you know, the obvious reasons of unburdening your thoughts. But also, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but when someone's supporting you, no matter how close you are to someone, we all have our deepest, darkest thoughts that we don't want to frighten people with. We don't want to share them because it doesn't mean we're going to act on them, but sometimes we just have these intrusive thoughts. And so sometimes keeping a diary or writing a kind of you know, monologue of stuff helps you sort of process that. So I just started writing and kind of couldn't stop because I had so much to write and I never intended to do anything with it. And then when I finally got discharged and kind of my only purpose was recovery, you know, that's not really me. I was quite bored um, and I was on benefits, which there's nothing wrong with being on benefits, but I'd never experienced or envisaged that. I'd always been self-employed. So I decided to change my style of writing and make it into like a story of what had happened to me from birth to kind of post the attack. And I sent off a, oh bless me, oh my Microsoft Word, you know, <laughs> yeah. Comic Sans, stapled it all together. Yeah. Um, and I sent it off to so many publishers. And at this point, I hadn't done my documentary. I was an unknown person. Yeah. And um, I either just didn't hear back from anyone, or yeah. if I did hear back, it was a polite rejection letter. And I was rejected for one year um, and then I finally... How got, many
1: times do you think you got rejected?
0: Oh, I used to post the manuscript off every Friday. Right, yeah. I'd go I like, go to the post office, buy my stamps, post it off every Friday. But it was just something to do. Mm. So any time I left the house, I was <laughs> like, I'm going to post my thing to get rejected again. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like a joke in our family. Yeah. But I just thought, well, it's no, there's no harm in keep, mm. keeping on going. I've got nothing else to do. Um, <clears throat> and when I made the documentary that uh, gave me a platform... Um, not, not a massive platform, but then people knew about my story as a kind of a news article. Um, and I finally got uh, positive feedback from a publisher, but it wasn't a very good financial deal. So it was a, it was a very well-known publisher um, and it was going to be in bookshops, supermarkets. But um, yeah, it wasn't um, a very good money deal. But at the time I was like, well, I'm not really doing this for money anyway. So I accepted that deal. Um, And that book's gone on to be in the Sunday Times number one bestseller. Uh, I know it's so cool, um, isn't it? Yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh my god! Like, I'm I on mean, incapacity support and disability benefit, yeah. and then I was in the number one That's bestseller. Amazing. Thought yeah. I better, I better ring up the um, DLA and cancel it for yeah. done yeah. for benefit fraud. Um, and then it's been uh, translated to languages I can't speak. Yeah. It's gone to thirty-seven different countries, countries I haven't even travelled to because wow. the publishers are too tight to pay for me to go and promote it abroad. <laughs> um, and then I was like, right, I can now. My next move is my choice. So instead of um, staying with that publisher, I shopped around, I renegotiated, and then it became a a way to earn money, and it it became a living. Um, And that first book was an autobiography, and I decided, right, that's my closure. And the next books were then in self-help genre, and it was about coping mechanisms and, and then it just carried on from there, really. Mm-hmm. And it's something I love doing. But of course, like anybody else, I sit there and I go to page one. I'm like, uh. <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, yeah. OK, fine. Keep a pad by the bed, yeah. write in the back of taxis, meet someone like you. You say something that sticks in my mind, go home, write that down. Yeah. And it evolves like that. But, you know, obviously, sometimes when you're working with in a commercial space, you have a deadline. Yeah. So you can't always just kind of have that block. So I'll try and be strict. I set up a kind of formal thing at home where I've got an office. I'll lock the door, go in there and say, three hours of writing, got to get it done.
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I love doing it. But, of course, you know, it, it is difficult sometimes. And especially self-help now has become quite a saturated market. Yeah. So you do have to think about reinvention as yeah. well. Um, because with self-help, I suppose... It's an opinion, it's life experience, but a lot of it's recycled. You know, a lot of it's kind of sometimes you will listen to it and it's stating the obvious, but you just need to have it reinforced. Mm. But if you're trying to hit sales figures as well, you do need to refresh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you talk about all this because it's like we've lived in a parallel universe. Right. Um, I got lucky with my publishing deal because um, I I wrote a book called Life Leverage. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and we marketed it, and because I'd built a company and I'd learned marketing, I knew how to market it well, and it went to number one on Amazon.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, that's yeah, in the,
1: in the whole country.
0: Amazing. Uh, above all the
1: fiction books. Yeah, um, which that's a
0: big achievement. It, it is,
1: and, but, but, and thank you, because <laughs> I've got to own that, because I'm not very good at receiving thanks. But I also know I knew how to market that book. So part of me thought, well, I've got that book to number one, not because it's the best book in the world, but because I'm a good marketer. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that, that was my first non-property book because we got our Property Investing Secrets book to number four in the whole country. Wow. Which, Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Grey 2 and Fifty Shades of Grey, the, the box set, were the first three. Yeah. And then it was Property Investing Secrets. So that was...
0: And it's so niche. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah.
1: So we, we knew how to market. But um, Hachette, who were second behind Penguin in, in the size of publishers, they found me and they went, your book's everywhere. Yeah. Wow. And they courted me, and I, I did a deal with them.
0: Isn't that great? They came to you. Yeah,
1: well, so hearing your story and how much you get rejected, and how ama- amazing you are, and how amazing your story is. And if you read, like, the story of Stephen King, he was got rejected so many times. In the end, he put his manuscript for his first book, I forget, the one with the clown. It. Oh, it's? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that was the one. Yeah. Um, or it might have been Carrie. It was one of the early ones, but he put it in the bin, and he's like, I'm over. And his wife <laughs> pulled it out of the bin and said, no, 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 another go. And that, so he was nearly over. So, and then my lovely friend Char Wasmund, who's an MBU, who I'm going to meet after this. Right, she um, teaches people to write like a one or a two page. Like proposal for oh, the book
0: okay, that's helpful. and send it
1: out to yeah. everyone. So because I guess a lot of times you get rejected because they can't just read the full manuscript.
0: Yeah, and they're so like snowed under yeah. with it. I don't. I, and I, rejection's a funny thing because I don't ever really believe in no. I just think mm. not right now. Yeah,
1: no, no is only no today. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or, or it might be no for you, but it doesn't mean it's no for your colleagues or other people that mm. might like me. You know, just because you don't, you're not interested in me. That's not. That's not. I don't know. I never. I never feel like it's the end for me ever. It's just the end for me with that person, but then they might come back to me later in life, you Mm. know, so I don't really take it as um, a dead end. I don't don't believe in that.
1: No, and I think that... I think I definitely in the early days felt like things were so important and so big. And if I failed at it, my life would be over and everyone would hate me. And Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And then you just put a lot of pressure on yourself, don't you? Yeah.
0: And it's only you that puts that pressure on you. And you might feel demoralised or you might feel like you're not enough. But that's actually all internal dialogue. Mm. Um, and it's just part of growth and it's part of doing something that basically a lot of people want to do, yeah. you know, so you've just got to take, and if you can't kind of take it, maybe that's the universe saying it isn't right for mm. you, you know.
1: Yeah. I know, of course, cliches are cliches for a reason, but... When one door closes and another
0: one opens. It's so yeah. true. It is. And and sometimes you've got to listen to messaging of like, maybe, you know, when my book was getting rejected, that was right because actually my story wasn't out there. People didn't know me. Maybe yeah. people wouldn't have bought it. It would have slumped and I never would have got another deal. Mm. But where the rejection went on for so long, I was building other other projects, other, you know, profile. Then when the book did go, it went to number one. So if I'd got the deal earlier when I thought I wanted it, it might not have got that place mm. in the charts. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, got to like kind of listen to that messaging.
1: Yeah, because, you you had a bigger following, you had your documentary, you had more of a platform, a bit like me with Life Leverage. I didn't get any of my publishing, um, but property books published. I'd written yeah. a lot of books before that. But clearly, my time was when I was writing non-property.
0: Yeah, mm. and also even like once you have success, sometimes people think, "Well, that's it; you've made it." Then, well, no, because you got to keep making every exactly. day. You know? Exactly, yeah. the stakes are higher. Yeah. So then, if you do other books and they didn't do that well, you're like, "Oh, am well, I my shit now?" Then mm, you know, yeah. and it's hard. And it's like, "Well, no." Now look at platforms: Are people still reading books than way they used to, or do they want smaller content? Do they want podcasts? Are they going on Amazon and watching bite-sized yeah. things? Mm. And are you evolving with that growth? You know, it's not that something failed, it's that you need to move with the yeah. audience. You know, my audience, maybe they were in their 20s when my first book came out and now they've grown up and yeah. they've become mothers and maybe they want different material. So mm. I think you can't always blame you. Yeah. You've got to look at everything around you. Mm.
1: That's a really good point. And bringing this discussion into what you said before about reinvention of a book's, I strongly believe in that. So my publisher uh, bangs on at me to write a mindset book. Oh yeah, on and on and on. You'd be great at that. Thank you, but I don't want to write a mindset book. Why? Well, I don't want to write a n other mindset book.
2: Okay. Because, like
1: you said, it's a saturated market. Mm. I love reading mindset books. Um, I either wanted to write a book called Mindset, and Carol Dweck's written that, to own that space, or have to write a book that's mindset but isn't mindset. Okay. Because I don't want my books to drown out in the noise of Every other book. Yeah. I'll give you an example at the moment. Books with um, a swear word in it, you know, mm. blah, 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 fuck, blah, fuck, blah, 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 fuck, with the fuck starred out, the you start out, oh, you know, that's yeah. such a common thing of the moment. Yeah. But I feel like if you do the same as everyone else in two or three years, your book's going to have no more relevance. Yeah. So this dance of having a book that's commercial, mm-hmm. because if it's not commercial and you don't sell it, you know, it, it was just a diary. It yeah. might as well have just been a diary. But then having a unique-ish concept so that you're putting a different take on an existing theme, for me, that's the, the mastery of writing a book.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, you can have passion projects, and passion projects – might not be set out to be is that a way to say
1: it won't make any money no
0: but but they might not set out to be commercial and they might Mm. become your biggest commercial thing and and vice versa you might think something will be commercial and then it just ends up being a nice legacy Mm. so but i mean for for me i I think when i think of mindset i love your mindset Mm. and when i see your instagram i always end up screen grabbing your stuff whatsapping it to my husband and being like look what rob said today (laughs) because you're always very optimistic you're very positive Mm. and a lot of the stuff you say always speaks to me Mm. I'm always interested in your mindset and your approach to life yeah so I I think as your audience I look to you for Mm. advice on that so Mm.
1: and as your guest on my podcast now I'm going to look to you for that (laughs) so let's talk about that so confidence is an area you've talked about a lot in your books yeah you know you clearly are definitely outwardly a very confident person I guess like everyone else you've had your struggles so Mm. How do you become more confident?
0: Um, I don't think confidence is a fixed thing because I'm confident in some areas of my life, but not all of them. And I, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but in my experience for myself and people I meet, most people want consistency in their confidence, um, which is hard. And particularly women, but I suppose men as well nowadays, people associate confidence with your appearance. Um, And yeah, you know, I don't like to... um, be patronising and say beautiful people don't get confidence in that, because of of course they do, but they get momentary confidence, fleeting moments of confidence, you know, being... Beautiful. Would that hold down a long, successful career? Would that keep you in a solid marriage into your 80s? I'm not sure that it would. Um, It might be the initial attraction that would help you get those things, um, but not sustain it. So I think for me, uh, confidence is about acceptance, and that's not just your appearance. That's everything in life. You have to be able to accept situations and say, can I change this? Yes, okay, let's do that. I can't okay, fine, it's fixed. And that's all I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm confident about that and I can handle it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, sometimes I'm really confident at work And then other times in motherhood, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm a good parent. And then vice versa, if I take on a new project, I might feel out of my depth. I might feel like people are more accomplished than me, more famous, more intelligent, and feel a bit of an imposter. Mm -hmm. And then that might change. So I suppose to me, it is always a bit of a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But I think that's okay, so long as you keep working on you. Like, I will try all the time to learn new things. Like, you know, coming to Progressive, that was an area I'm not confident in. But I couldn't have got confidence staying at home. Mm. So I came, I learned stuff, and then I, okay, I don't know everything about property, but I know more than when I first started on mm. the course. So, yeah, you can always work on your confidence. Yeah. Um, and you'll meet people that are like, I don't know what I'm doing either. And then in a way, that makes you more confident because you realise people outwardly look like they're owning it, but they are still at a novice kind of level.
1: Mm. I think you picked up on some great things there. I think one of the things I want to agree with you on and make a a big point about this is I think a lot of lack of confidence comes from comparing ourselves to other people. Yeah. Because if we lived in a vacuum where we couldn't compare ourselves to anyone, we wouldn't know if we were better or worse or what was good or bad. And so we'd probably just accept who we are. Yeah. But we're always comparing ourselves to how people look, what people say and how we perceive their confidence is. And I've met some very successful people and you've liked the same probably more Um, And in every very successful person I've met, I've also met a little child in there who still needs attention or someone who's failed somewhere and still got some baggage or someone who's a master in business, but maybe a disaster in their marriage or their social life or whatever. And what I've observed is no one one transcends confidence in every area you are confident in areas where you've studied, you've learned, you've mastered, mm-hmm. you know, you've been told you're good by everyone and you believe it, you've worked hard, you've overcome struggles. Yeah. And then even Arnold Schwarzenegger, if, if, I bet he's probably not that confident in yoga or playing chess against a grandmaster or whatever, even mm-hmm. though he's probably one person on the planet I <laughs> to the most. And I think that merging those two, two things together, one, knowing that we can be confident in anything we, we master and serve mm-hmm. and Focus on and want to be good at and knowing that we have weaknesses and then merging that with everyone else is the same yeah. I feel like that makes life just a little bit better or more normal and we stop beating ourselves up and compounding our Absolutely. issues Absolutely,
0: yeah and it's it's kind of because we're more connected we can see more of people's lives on social media mm. so that envy and that jealousy is probably at a higher level. Well, I mean I always compare it do you remember the old smoking adverts and it's like lucky strike will make you thin yeah, and, yeah. and and people who smoke are cool and, and you're like actually yeah, and Audrey
1: Hepburn paintings.
0: Yeah, yeah literally yeah. And, and it's like actually luxury isn't always what it appears to be mm. and it's like you know the grass is greener because the, sometimes the grass is artificial and yeah, fake yeah. and that's why it's greener mm. so you go on instagram you go on facebook and you start envying a facade that doesn't exist mm. you become jealous of somebody that's either photoshopped edited is exaggerating is only showing you the best bits so it's kind of like you know that old affirmation of comparison being the thief of joy mm. the most unproductive um emotion because it keeps you very busy doing absolutely nothing at all yeah. and i think if you've got so much energy to hate, to be envious, um, to feel inadequate, to make a comparison. Imagine what you could do with that energy. Mm. Like you could be so productive. And because I'm kind of older, I look back on like, eighties, nineties, even in the millennium when we didn't have social media, you would just be jealous of like the most good looking friend in your friendship group. (laughs) That'd be it, wouldn't it? You wouldn't know what other people who you went to school with ten years ago were doing or, you know, someone who you wish you looked like was doing. So Mm. but then I wouldn't bash social media because I think if you use it responsibly, it's it's
1: brilliant. Like I think that's really important to remember that everything has an upside and a downside like when steel came and rail happened, that was obviously great for transport, but it was also good for train robberies. There was no train robberies before train. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are kind of a bit on the bandwagon of bashing social media. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, because you can reach people you've never reached before. You can inspire people you've never inspired before. You can sell a lot more books. Yeah. We can live this out to people and they can get a little sneak peek (laughs) in. Yeah. I mean, you've got three quarters of a million Instagram followers. I know, and I'm bloody boring. I'm so boring. I try not to (laughs) (laughs) to compare my 22,000 to you. I'm like, oh, but like, you know, the army it's not numbers. It's it's how engaged they are. That's inspiring to me anyway, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, I I just think for me... um, it's kind of like, you know, it's not about the numbers. It's about what you do with those people, how much they engage with you um, and how active you are, because mm. they could be, I mean, they could be people also kind of spying on you who don't actually mm. like you, who yeah. aren't inspired by you.
1: You know, journalists so. waiting Yeah,
0: to, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so you can't kind of get too caught up on that. Mm.
1: So rejection, I want to talk about that a bit, because I think that's a theme in everyone's life. Um, and I'll make this the last point on this video. So um, I have this sort of strange relationship with rejection where it still feels brutal to me. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I still feel it on a fairly consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, yet I try and remember that it's not me that's being rejected, it's just the timing or um, the way it was presented and just have to remember that it doesn't define who I am. Like, if we use the book as an example, like, you and I have written books. Mm. Whether we sell one or a hundred million and one, it doesn't make it any better a book or a worse a book. No. The book is the book. Yeah. The book is done.
0: That's a fact. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: so sales don't define the book, Mm -hmm. but I find it really hard to not look at my sales (laughs) Yeah, and
0: obviously because other people around you who have an interest in sales are also pushing that message. So, um, I mean, that's all about staying centred and focused on your values and what defines you. Mm. Um, I mean, I've experienced rejection in lots of different areas in my life, you know. I've experienced rejection romantically a lot when my appearance changed. And, you know, it's a big debate. I mean, that
1: was brutal, was it? I mean, it must.
0: Yeah, it was hard because also it wasn't like being born with a disability or a disfigurement where life had always been like that. You know, I remember in my 20s being like the object of people's desire. People giving me their seat on the tube, opening doors for me to them becoming invisible uh, people talking about me in front of me, mm. uh, slamming the door in my face rather than holding it open. And then as I recovered a bit more and, and tried to go back out there, I had horrible situations where I, I thought people liked me and I was going on a date with people and they didn't turn up. I had where I went out for a dinner with a guy who pretended to go to the loo and walked out of the restaurant. So quite... By the
1: way, I've had all that with women. Oh, so.
0: really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, and it, and it yeah. is hard because it is, it's almost more personal than business because you are the product in in that situation. And that is very difficult. And, and, you know, we are built with emotion and, and, and it's, it's how do you move forward from that? Well, you have to move forward from that or you, or you give up. And then, you know, just like you, I've had not just rejection in business and career, I've had failure where I've lost money or I've made, I called something wrong. I ignored somebody's advice. Um, But that's okay because Mm. I've experienced life ending and it still didn't end. Mm. So nothing is as catastrophic as you think it is. Um, And if you're going to take everything so personal, then you need to kind of go and build yourself a very predictable life but it's very safe and it's kind of very routine. And I mean, then You need to be aware
1: of the downsides of that, though, if you're exactly. going to go and do that, don't
0: you? Yeah. yeah, and I'm not sure I want to build a life with minimal hurt and rejection. I don't think that appeals to me, no. even if I find rejection painful. Yeah. So, you know, and that's like now I've become a parent, I'm trying to sort of teach my daughter that actually rejection is part of life, even at her age, five years old. You know, there might be parties you don't get invited to. Yeah. When you put your hand up on the mat, you won't always get picked for questioning and... Mm. That is life, you yeah.
1: know? Yeah, my daughter at the moment, she's got a friend. My daughter's born in August, so she's pretty right. much the youngest in her class. Okay, oh,
0: that's hard. Yeah,
1: it is. But but that will toughen her up and that'll make yeah. her independent and strong and feisty. And, yeah, there'll be downsides to that. But then later on in life, I think there'll be upsides. And she's got this one friend who's pretty much the oldest in the year. And that oldest friend does overpower a bit. And Ariana sort of is really allured by her because she's the oldest in the year and she's yeah. nearly, you know, like... And Gemma, was, my wife was talking about it today, how, you know, it's hard watching and all that, but we've both decided to, to let that friendship play out, yeah. not to intervene. Um, because I remember when I was a kid and I had a friend who didn't treat me very well and my dad sort of intervened and didn't let us sort of um, stay friends because of bad influence on me. But it just made me want to go and see people like that even yeah, more in my life. Yeah, because it's more attractive. Exactly. Than, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, parenting is so hard. I mean, I think being a parent and writing books are the two hardest things I've ever done. Um, but yeah, like raising children, I want to, I don't really have a plan for my kids other than to show them what life is really like.
0: Yeah. A real view. Yeah. Yeah. not,
1: Not an upsided fantasy and hopefully not too much of a hardship either, but this is what life is. It's brutal sometimes. It's beautiful sometimes. Yeah. And hopefully, let them discover that for themselves.
0: Yeah, and I, I really agree with that. I mean, we have really honest, open conversations at home. You know, my daughter will ask me lots of things about my job. She'll ask me about my appearance. She'll ask me so many questions, and I try not to talk to my daughter like a baby. I try to talk to her like an edited adult. Yeah. You know, and I, and I you know I don't want to traumatise her. But I then hope that... And it's a bit like if somebody's adopted and the adopted parents decide to always let that be a known fact rather than one day just sit them down. And I like that kind of natural flow um, and I like people to treat me like that in life. Like yeah. I don't like people to tell me you're amazing or or this didn't work out. I like no, just tell me. Yeah. Oh, they don't like you anymore. You're not you're not selling enough. Or like yeah. oh you're not for me. It's like that's okay. That's mm. all right. I'm not n- not everything's going to be for me, and and that's normal. And yeah. if we keep if we if we stop making those things normal, exactly. we make it harder. Oh look
1: at that! It's like, what, is can't... it caffeine? Oh, it's four <laughs> shots of caffeine. Four?
0: <laughs> oh my God! I uh, thought I was strong. Yeah. I've got one and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm My day just got a lot better.
0: Four shots of caffeine. Do you have milk with
1: it? I just snort it up my nose. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have
0: a little bit of
1: milk. It's a cappuccino, so I have a little bit of milk.
0: Okay. Oh, but it's
1: just like, it's my life. Do you drink alcohol? No. No No. no alcohol, no drugs. Um, Coffee's really my own main vice. I would say probably 80%, 90% of my social media time is business related. Yeah. So in a way, that's good because I'm getting some proactive benefit. But and it's also sometimes an excuse. Oh,
0: I know, yeah, yeah. Because I downloaded the app where it tells you how much time you oh, spend. Oh, that just made it worse.
1: 14 hours a day. I know. What? I didn't think I was awake that long. Look,
0: when I looked at it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a psycho. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I'm going to delete this app. I don't want to know. No, <laughs> it's,
1: it's not helpful. Um, but, yeah, I think just when I'd sort of, with Facebook, kind of got a bit of rules then WhatsApp... Oh, right. Um, because I like run a lot of WhatsApp groups for our businesses. Oh, of and, like, course. WhatsApp's my new overwhelm.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's great.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a blessing because we can get all of our communities together and I can offer them services. Yeah. Um, and we can create communities and the speed. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know what WhatsApp can be like. Which, it's
0: quite overwhelming. Yeah, it because is. I also feel like an email gives you time to read it and go, okay, I'll come back to that. Yeah. Whereas if WhatsApp, they see the tick, they see you online, and people are like, why haven't you replied? Yeah. Yeah. And it's... And, it, and you and it, get more and more and more. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a bit bad because it's, like, in your space. And yeah. the and, and the problem is the expectation is high. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose if you know people and you, you can kind of say, okay, I will come back to you, yeah. I've read it, but, you know... Yeah. yeah, it's difficult. And then you WhatsApp as well. I have lots of personal groups. So you've got like, your auntie sending you a picture of a dog, yeah. and you've got to be like, you've got to engage, and you've got to kind of keep everybody happy. It's mm. quite, it's quite difficult.
1: Mm. So um, when we were just cutting there, I had a thought. So I went to the doctor's yesterday, the day before, mm. um, and it's nothing major, but there's just been a couple of things I told you about the migraines I've been having, um, and I've got to. Have a, he thinks I might have an overactive thyroid. He, oh, okay. Uh, he, but the doctor basically said you are the most on it, type A, restless, relentless person I have ever met in this surgery. And he said, all your health is great, but your resting heartbeat is like... Yeah. Um, And he said to me, you need to take time to slow down and you need to meditate.
0: Can you meditate? Well,
1: I've tried a couple of times. Well, I've tried a lot more than people think. Yeah. Um. But I've just not made it a habit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I always want to do something. Mm-hmm. I always want to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. I always get speeding tickets. And my speeding tickets <laughs> are stupid. The thing is, they're stupid because they're like 38 and a 30, 35 and oh, no. a 30, 48 yeah. in a 40, 45 in a, well, 48 and a 40 is 20% over. But, you know, they're, they're not like 150 yeah. or whatever. But it's because I'm always just thinking about where I want to be. Yeah. And I realise that that is not present.
0: No, it's not. And also, it's very bad because stress, anxiety is one of the leading mm. uh, causes of cancer. But I don't really
1: feel stressed. I feel... Oh, no. Like, there's um, distress and eustress. Yeah. So, distress is obviously the, the, the crippling stress. That mm-hmm. I, but the eustress is the positive stress, like... You know this, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Uh And I'm sure you know the feeling when you get quite a lot done at the end of the day and you think, damn, I was on it. I feel good, you know. and, And being busy and getting stuff ticked off the list and getting stuff done and making things happen and making a difference in the world at that speed Really excites me. Oh,
0: that's my satisfaction. Yeah, I love that. But then when you start employing people, it's really difficult because I went through a stage where um people I was working with kept leaving, oh, and it was always like one year they'd go. Everyone would last a year, and I realised well, like you
1: pushed them too hard, was it?
0: Yeah, because it's like for me, okay, I, if I wake up at seven, oh my god, I got, so, I'm gonna get so much done today. Oh, you know, it's gonna yeah. be great. And then so with other people like, what, why do you mean I haven't done that? Why can't? You, yeah. I don't understand why you couldn't get that. Just do it, and for other people they they might not necessarily want to work in that way and they might find it overbearing, yeah. overwhelming, the expectations too high. And I think you can't expect everybody to be like, and the same in your marriage and your friendships and family relationships. You know, some people don't want, if you want to meet your family at the farm with the kids, then have a lunch in a different restaurant, then go home and, and sort at each other's computer, then have a drink then go home. So they be like, oh, I wouldn't do all that in one day. And I'm like, why, mm. it's my only one day off, let's do that. And that's yeah. not enjoyable for them. And. You know, it's hard, isn't it, understanding Mm. that not everybody wants to get shit done
1: in the way that you do. Yes, I've definitely gone through that. Mm. Um, I've probably pushed a few staff away by judging them on my own standards. Yeah, I have. Um, And also, when you're an entrepreneur... You can't expect everyone that works for you to be an entrepreneur. Otherwise, they'd be an entrepreneur. Mm. you know, And, and like I, I I used to be the sort of person that was like, well, look, I'm not interested in hiring people or working with people or even being in the same universe as people who are nine-to-five thinkers. But that was my own naivety because actually some of our best team members work nine-to-five, mm-hmm. and they're efficient. Yeah. And they might get as much done as I do, seven till seven. Yeah, um, and enable you to do it. Yes, do. Yeah. and... You need different, like, if you had a football team, you wouldn't have 11 goalkeepers. You need the different, you, I mean, even, there's even now the defensive midfielder, which there wasn't a few years ago. Right. Um, and there's the wing-backs who are just... This is an
0: error. I have no I confidence yeah, in. <laughs> I mean, I don't either,
1: but trying to, I'm trying to be clever and use an analogy. Yeah. But, like, the modern left-back and right-back are no longer defenders. They're yeah. also attackers. So the point is, in it for a team to be balanced, you don't necessarily also need the 11 best players. Yeah. Sometimes, like for Alex Ferguson used to do it, he'd get rid of the best players in the team if he thought it ruined the team dynamic or his or autonomy and control of, of the leadership. And so I've learned this about building a team. I'm not perfect at it, but don't judge people on your own standards. Be clear on who you want to have in the team, what their skills and roles are, which are different to yours. Don't expect them to be you. Yeah expect them to be them and if if they're like the three people in my life who are the most important people to me in my life are my wife
2: mm-hmm.
1: well excluding my family but my wife is part of my family but mm. my family of course but then yeah. my wife my business partner Mark and my MD of, of my company is right. Catherine okay and I couldn't have surrounded myself with three more grounded people mm-hmm. That at times I just feel so frustrated that they're holding me down and oh, holding really? me back.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: you know, I want to go and do all these crazy things. I set up a charity randomly. I do all these things randomly. Yeah. I've got an event this weekend, which is 1,400 people booked on. Oh, wow. Randomly. And I just like, dah, 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 let's do all this. And like yeah. sometimes when I feel like people are there, oh, what about this and what about that? And let's take time and let's not do this now. What about later? I feel like they're really restricting me and holding me back, and yeah. they're boxing my creativity and energy. They're
0: your yin to your yang, yes. aren't
1: they? But that's the paradox of that, <laughs> that is I need that, mm. and if I wasn't surrounded by that, I'd I'd be in some loony asylum somewhere, probably bouncing off the walls.
0: But it's so important. To, it's true because it's so important to recognise it because sometimes it also comes down to ego. Of like when I first set up my charity i uh you know oh i might have one thank Mm. you i didn't go to uni i'd never worked in an office or like a formal professional setting so i was like i want to set up the charity because of my passion my beliefs and the activism i could do and i've got the profile but i don't understand how to run a business Uh, i'm too stupid and and i thought actually this is ego if i can if i can own up to that and if i can delegate and say to people Mm. i can bring this to the table But I don't know how to um, use PowerPoint. I don't know how to load a stapler. I don't know how to run a board meeting. I don't understand how to fill out paperwork for the Charity Commission. If I I can lose the ego and say that and delegate to those people, I can build an amazing team and actually it doesn't matter. I don't even need to learn those things actually because that's not what I bring. That's not my strength. So sometimes when you shed away that, then actually you become more successful, you Mm. know.
1: That's a really good point about ego. Because sometimes I think we perceive ego as things like greed, power, revenge, Yeah. but ego is also not asking for help, Yeah. Th- thinking that you've got to struggle on your own, um, trying to be everything to all people, uh-huh. not saying no, all of those things are ego as well. It,
0: yeah, it really is, and and that's kind of a bit of a destructive thing to hold on to, because again, it's a bit kind of emperor's clothing, it's, it's a bit of an imaginary thing, and like you said, when you start to meet other people from walks of life, maybe... High-profile people or successful people, and they can find in you, and you'll go home to your partner and say, "Well, oh, you know, so and so, I met them, and they're, they're quite insecure, or they quite, and, and you are surprised." But then, the more people you meet like that, you kind of realise, you know, everybody has their thing, mm. everybody has their inadequacies or their strengths, and some people don't want to show weakness. But the climate is changing. Like you see, with like Mental Health Week, people are showing weakness, yes. people are talking about. I think it's um, a good
1: movement to go through. Yeah, yeah.
0: and it's good. And, and at first we're shocked, or oh, 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 this annoys me. Oh, he's depressed. Look at everything he's got. He can't be depressed. And yeah. you're like, it, depression isn't about how rich or fortunate no. you are. It's not a choice. Mm. You know, it does. you can't decide to cheer up because you've got a nice car, you know. Yeah. But So it is good. And also,
1: because de- I've had this recently with someone very close to me who basically spat and chucked some quite nasty stuff because... I've got a lot of nice cars,
0: yeah,
1: and someone very close to me who I love and I think loves me. And you just think, it's, you know, people think they know, or or that you're in some way entitled, or that you should help them more.
0: But that person's suffering. They're, ang- yes, they're angry. Yes, this exactly what happens. Yeah. They're
1: suffering and they're angry and yeah. they spit at you.
0: It's not really about you. No. So it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because at first it's really disappointing and hurtful, yeah. especially if they were what you would consider in the inner circle as your friend. And you've helped
1: them a lot in your...
0: Yeah, yeah, but but you could be anyone and they'd be angry at you. It's yes. not personal. Um, and I've been the angry person, you know, when I've lost a lot of things in the past. I've been jealous of people in relationships, jealous of people with success. And, and secretly I've known it's about me, yeah. you know, and I always try and remind myself well, of that I think that's
1: now. self-awareness. Self awareness is is knowing where it's coming from, yeah. and, and being yeah. honest about it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think because I've had a lot of therapy, I think that's kind of helped me. Okay, I've experienced that jealousy. Step back. Where did it come from? Is it that person's fault? No. They're yeah, just a trigger for me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they could be anybody having anything, and I would still have that emotion because it's in me mm. and I kind of need to work through it. So, you know, I think a lot of people are embarrassed to have therapy or think they don't need it. But for me, I've always found it really beneficial.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've not had it, but I've done loads of personal development. Yeah, which, which for is me similar. Is a similar thing. But yeah. I definitely could see that, that I'd like to have it. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's just had a divorce or, or split with his wife and he certainly at first was like, well, that's a weakness. I'm not getting my kids into therapy. I'm not having therapy. And I think he's just recently... Come round to the idea.
0: Yeah, it's scary, yeah. you know. So even to,
1: just to talk your things out.
0: Yeah, and also we're British, we're private, we, yes. and we're stiff upper lip. So to to tell somebody confidential things, to be vulnerable is scary. But when you're vulnerable, you get to practice resilience. You get yes. to practice courage. You get to practice bravery. So if you put yourself in a vulnerable space, you can learn a lot about yourself, and you can grow as a person. Yeah. You know, and, and you're big about being in discomfort to progress. You mm. know, and taking that risk and you have to do that to evolve, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. I suppose this vulnerable thing, I've been a bit scared to jump on it because there's a lot of people saying, hey, I just want to be vulnerable here and they're using it as marketing or it's like become quite, you know, people like Brené Brown have made that.
0: Oh, yeah. um, Do you you like her? Uh, I like
1: her. Yeah, I do. I I get a bit from everyone. Obviously, I have my favourites and I have others that my style isn't quite the same. Um, I admire what she's done. She's got a Netflix um, show which I started I to it, watch yeah. I mean you know like I'm a 40 year old male and I think her ideal demographic is it's not a 40 year old male yeah. so just saying but yeah I mean anyone who's done the reach and made a difference in people's life I think is great but she's made this like a buzzword yeah and so I've kind of like because of my I suppose my own baggage I've kind of shied away from it because I don't want people it's not for me it's not a buzzword it's like being honest about how you feel and saying and doing the right thing. Yeah. So um, I've got our biggest event this weekend. There's 1,400 people that are going to be there. It's the biggest one we've done. Now, I'm doing a talk I've done plenty of times, mm-hmm. like a lot of times. How do you talk? Do
0: you talk um, from notes or do you just uh, talk? I usually okay.
1: don't ever talk from notes. Oh, okay, um, right. I've got a very relaxed style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm really freaking nervous. Yeah. And like All week it's been tying me in bits. Yeah. Like my arms feel all like acid. My stomach's just got a hole in it. Yeah. And I can't get my head around why. Because I've done it so many times. Yeah. And when I think about it, I know I'm the best person in the world to do this talk at this time in this way. There's other speakers, but this one particular talk, Yeah. I've got the best tools. I'm the right person to do it. And I've got loads of experience. But I'm still... Fucking
0: but it. that's brilliant. The day, the day. But you're I not, don't.
1: But I've never had nerves like this. But
0: before. the day you're not nervous, you should stop doing it because you're flat.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, always nervous. But like I'm a little bit nervous. A little nice twinkle, ooh, feel that go down stage. Give it. Yeah. But I'm actually worried. This is going to look like. Because
0: like, you're out your comfort zone.
1: Well, I think is I've done this before.
0: Yeah. Well, I like it. You know, I always get nervous. I always get adrenaline. I even get a little bit of self doubt. Like, am, am I the right person yeah. for this? Is it going to be good? And that kind of makes me that little bit on edge. And, and it's good. And it and it makes you relatable and accessible. And then when you go out there, you're so driven to mm. make because you don't take for granted this is going to be great. You think, oh, it might not be. Yeah. Oh, oh 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 no! I've got to yeah. make it. I've got to yeah. make it really good. And then you become more passionate and more alive. And mm. and and it's just like on your shoulders that responsibility is good
1: I think Mm, yeah that's what I've been saying to myself in my head over (laughs) and over and over I've got this I know this I've done it I mean that talk I'm doing I've done One hundred and fifty times, or the guys of it, you know. So,
0: well, I think when it's an event like that where they it's advertised, they've got to buy tickets to come. You're fifty percent already in the door because they want to see you, they like you, they like your message, and they've had they're not forced to come by their work. They've they've done it themselves. They've had the initiative to come, so you're already half won them over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know all that. Yeah, I, I think the one thing in my head is, you know what. Just what if I don't deliver at the most important speech I've probably done.
0: It's not and an opinion it's not an opinion. Yeah, though, because there's a lot of mean? people
1: like a lot of people will be expecting me to bring it because they know what I've done before and that sometimes yeah. put it puts added pressure on me. But this bit. is
0: like reviews. Like reviews are an opinion and someone can come at that talk and be like, that's changed my life. Yeah. And it genuinely could change their mm. life. Another person will be like, That's crap, I've heard that all before. Yeah. I, I that didn't I didn't relate to that and you're like Okay, that is literally an opinion, mm. and there's nothing wrong or right with either of those reviews. And sometimes some things are factual; you can't change them. And so you go in, you be the best version of you, and some people are still going to hate it, mm. you know. And, and maybe they're just a pessimist. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they hate everything they do. Maybe they love hating everything they yeah. do. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. enjoy that. And and then maybe they'll live a whole life of loving, hating stuff, and criticizing it. Mm. And maybe it won't be till they get to the very end of that life. Where they'll be like, have that woke moment where they'll be like, oh, it's too late, but I wasted life always hating it, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Let's move on from this subject. I can actually feel feel (laughs) it in my legs.
0: He's (laughs) getting nervous. (laughs) Um, So, yeah.
1: But, I mean, the point about critics is I've tried my whole life to figure out what is the purpose of a critic because I don't see much upside You know, they just seem to go and want to put their bitterness out onto other people. Do
0: you critique yourself? Do you ever write reviews?
1: Um, I I am probably my harshest critic in my own mind. I don't ever write reviews on myself. Yeah. And I rarely write reviews on others. And 99.9% of the time, I feel like if there's nothing constructive and good to say to someone, why ruin their day or their week by... Yeah. hating on them or giving them unfair I think there's a big difference between critique or critic and hate.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But
1: a lot of critic criticism turns into unnecessary hate or like you said earlier it's someone else's emotions that they're dumping out onto you. Um but I think I figured it out. Mm. And I think that the purpose of a critic is to keep us in balance.
0: Yeah, and it's not helpful to always get praise. No, no, because we,
1: our ego would go wild. Yeah. we would be less careful with other people's money, with our clients, with our reputation, with doing good, with being nice to people. And I know a lot of people would say, "Well, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't." But, I mean, imagine if we had everything our own way all the time and there was we didn't have a fear that someone was there to chop us down. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, I, you know, like, as much as I wouldn't want to be a critic, I wouldn't want to be a professional who lives earns a living or, or gets satisfaction out of knocking other people down. But the planet needs them.
0: Yeah, it's all, it's all kind of balances out. And, like, if you didn't get critic... Critique for a project, then it didn't work, you'd be genuinely really shocked because mm. you'd be like, but everything I do is a success. And you learn and the like, most
1: from your critics. Yeah. And they get you to search your soul the most. Mm-hmm. And then when it hurts the most is usually, i found, when there's truth in it. Because when someone calls me a wanker or all the other stupid things that they call me, they're, some of my critics, by the way, are great poets. Oh, really? They've come up with some <laughs> really great little <laughs> phrases and sentences. Um, but actually, when it really cuts it's usually when there's a little bit of truth in it. Right. And then that gets you to stop and manage your own emotions and think, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll fix that or I can work on that and then you can go into gratitude where you're like actually grateful for that because I think what we want as critics and mm. ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends and partners and stuff, what we want is people to communicate with us in the way that we want it.
0: Right, okay. But
1: we can't own that. They're going to communicate yeah. with us in the way that they want to communicate. And that's life. With us. It is yeah. life. Yeah. So, let's not worry about the style of communication, yeah. whether they're angry or rushed or wrong timing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've got um someone in my staff at the moment talking to me about my foundation because mm-hmm. I've got to get moving with it.
0: What does your charity do? Um, it,
1: it, so it's It's just named after me because that seemed to be the best thing. So um, my mission is to help as many people across the globe get better financial education, start and scale their business, especially young and underprivileged people.
0: Brilliant. So that's like the
1: vision and mission statement. But like it's been live about a year. There's some money sitting there and I've not really done anything because I've been really busy and I didn't want to go into it and do it half-assed. Yeah. So at the moment, I've got someone in my team going, Rob look at all this that you've got to do. Rob, if you don't do this, this and this, you know, you've got to keep active. Yeah. Um, and they're on at me and I'm like, why do you have to ask me now two fucking days before my biggest event of my life? Why can't you just go Oh, God, of course, Monday? yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. But like, she's only doing the right thing. She's helping me yeah. out. We need to answer all these questions. She's so, got your
0: best interest yes. at heart. Yeah. So I
1: can't own when she communicates mm-hmm. with me. I've just got to go, okay, look, can we talk about this Monday, Monday, yeah. Monday? And so that's another thing where like, You can't own how people communicate, you can't own the timing of what people do. Mm. You you just got to accept,
0: yeah. People dump on you, whether it's emotionally, professionally, and people don't know what other stuff's going on. No, you know, she doesn't know
1: I'm bricking it about the super conference, she probably thinks, Oh, I'm. Well, you're confident yeah, yeah exactly
0: that's that again that that assumption that because you're confident in some areas that you've got everything under check and and you know sometimes that assumption can be wrong mm.
1: i didn't realize this was going to turn into a rob therapy i know oh,
2: <laughs> Look podcast. at this This is like <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: do you know what? we haven't even done one question off this list oh dear
2: i'm um, such a gossip <laughs> no
1: no you no, this is great i think that look the dis- discussion is where i want to be with this podcast not yeah. like a a monologue or an interview. Well, I thought so. you'd
0: get me drunk like Dom Jolly. Yeah, I'm really annoyed.
1: <laughs> when Dom dropped the C bomb, I said uh, to him, "Dom, my mum watches this." Yeah, we and were listening to it in the it car with our kids. Times. We, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, we had to turn off. So
1: yeah. He was good, yeah. wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean, I listen to your podcast either when I'm running on my own, like in the gym or outside, or in the cars. But um, he was so good. Because yeah. right? there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about him. Well, like I only got four
1: percent of, of all the royalties of a Happy TV. Yeah, yeah, I loved that program growing up.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's
1: that, but it's really important to manage your business affairs yeah like I do help and work with a lot of people who are well known like yourself mm. and sometimes when people get success quite quickly or or like you you get a book deal and you're so grateful yeah. that you've got a book deal or that you want someone said I want to sponsor you out on a podcast yeah you don't really put your commercial hat on you end up doing a deal that's actually not fair exchange yeah Suzanne Shaw I know her really well who oh, was in yeah. hearsay and they were just all like blown away in the, in, the, in the moment. Um, I think it was, was it Granada? It was a big um, t- production company. They got a massive split. Right. And she got hardly any money. Because
0: they were really big. Yeah, they were yeah. huge. And yeah. sometimes
1: she'd get royalty t- um, checks that were less than a pound.
0: Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. No. Yeah. And she yeah. reckoned
1: she was working 100, 110 hours a week with all the travel. Carl would just pick them up at six in the morning and off. And she didn't have any commercial. Yeah. Awareness. I think some people... Why
0: would you if you're an yeah, artist? Yeah, true. But, like, yeah. artists
1: are allowed to be commercially aware. Yeah. I think a lot of artists think that it's bad to be commercially aware, like yeah. you're greedy or you shouldn't do it for the money. But if you end up getting turned over, or, this is the important phrase, if there's unfair exchange, you're going to end up resenting. Yeah. So unfair exchange where you're greedy you'll end up with guilt. Mm -hmm. Unfair exchange where you feel you've been taken advantage of, you'll end up with resentment. With
0: bitter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's funny, once I discovered you, then I was like, God, he knows everyone. Because I I did Strictly and then Mm, Kevin Clifton knows you. And I was like, Rob gets everywhere. He knows everyone. I'm really lucky in
1: that regard. I've (laughs) I've been very lucky with the reach of the podcast. Yeah, I feel like to do this with you is a massive privilege. Ah, likewise. And to me, for me, one of the, the greatest things in life you know, love and family aside, of course, they're a given. Is to meet really cool people and have really interesting conversations. But like, I think
0: also because your advice crosses over into all different industries. Because some people might, on the face of it, think it's just about property, but it's it's not. It's about happiness. It's about future. It could go into the entertainment industry, the sporting world. Really, it can apply to anybody. Mm. You know, so it's quite quite. In- I should be your PR. <laughs> yeah, you, like- yeah,
1: that's great. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes someone else is a, a better champion of your stuff than you. Yeah, aren't they? So. that's
0: true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Actually, let's talk about PR Um, because I have a PR company um, and I think they do great work with the tools that they've got because, you know, like, I don't want to say that my success is any less or more deserved than anyone else, but I haven't come from being a celebrity. Mm. I've come from starting a business and working my way up that way. And in some ways, I think that helps. In other ways, that hinders. Um, So... Talk about tips on PR and getting yourself out there and, you know, maybe leveraging media because you're brilliant at all that.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm not a celebrity or come from a, you know, I don't have a talent where I'm an actress or a singer. Um, I didn't go to stage school. You know, what happened to me was because I was a shocking news story, Mm. lots of people became aware of who I was through quite tragic circumstances. So through that platform... I mean, the short version is I had to have a lot of treatment abroad because it wasn't available in this country. And then because my story had been a documentary and we lived in a small village, people started posting, like, £10 notes through my mum and dad's door, wow. like, kind of wanting to help. Because, you know, like, when you see horrible things in in mankind and it's hard to not, like, lose your faith in society, how can somebody be so... You know, when we see terror attack, how can somebody be so evil? The world's a dangerous place it is but look at how many people on Westminster Bridge ran and helped yes, and, and you know yeah. you have to look at that <clears throat> so when what happened to me happened people see this horrible extreme side to man and they show their good side and they were putting money through my door, my mum and dad typical them, my dad like whipped the tenner at my hand, you can't keep that, you've had all your treatment on the NHS, <laughs> i like benefits i've got to keep for dinner mm. he's like no and um, what we'll do we'll, we'll 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 put this money aside and then this treatment i've gone abroad for but like we'll get a bank account with charitable status and we'll put the money away until we know how to and we'll we'll be able to fund people to go to the same clinic i went to abroad and then as that got more professional and this is a very short version of it all as that got more professional and formalized into a charity the vision changed we'll set this clinic up in the uk that was 11 years ago Last month, we set up the clinic in Liverpool. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we have it, and it was all using... We don't have any government funding. It's all public money. Um, and we were able to kind of do... I forgot the bloody question now. What was the question? Well,
1: let's carry on, because this it is was It was about little celebrity... That was, it was it. about um, yeah. PR and putting yourself yeah. out there and, and, and doing social media. Right. But we'll come back to
0: that. So, as we, so just, we set up the clinic, yeah. right? And that... So, but for, for the charity, I don't take a wage, so I wasn't earning any money whilst I was doing that. But... Through, through the foundation and that awareness and that platform, people wanted to know more about the psychological side of my recovery. How did I get through it? And then that's where the book journey came, like I told you. Mm. And again, initially, the book didn't make me any money. Then as it, um, it gathered more readership and success, then the, the financial success followed. Yeah. So I suppose rather than being a celebrity, I became somebody with an a, amazing story. A, what, yeah, and a following mm. where people were engaged and interested um, and then I suppose with social media, then people become interested in your hairstyle, your outfit, your shoes. And then it just becomes where you just connect with people at all different mm-hmm. levels. Some you might commercialise on, some you might use to help less fortunate people. And it becomes that cross-section because everyone can be famous. Everyone can be a celebrity. Everyone can get followers now. Like The demographic has kind of changed. When I was young, celebrities were people with talent. Uh, with usually some kind of theatrical musical
1: mm. talent and, and probably worked for a very long time yeah where social media can make you big quite quickly yeah
0: but yeah. that's not to discredit people no, because no, no. I, I work really hard yeah. you know some people might call me a celebrity but i wouldn't say i'm an artist in that sense mm. um but that has become the way i earn my living now but yeah. i work in the corporate world you know yeah. i'd give talks in the city i'd go give talks to on their training days and that's my way how i earn my solid money yeah. you know so so yeah it's a kind of a mixed way so in terms of PR, do I use PR? If I work for an internal brand, I'm, I'm one of the faces of L'Oreal, they have their own PR, internal PR if I work for a book company, they have internal PR, but I might pay an external PR to do a couple of days for me on a project-by-project basis. But yeah, I will be active on social media myself, Mm. which is kind of like PR in that sense. But when your product is you, you are walking, talking PR. So everywhere I go, I remember that. And if people want to take a picture with me, if people want to share their story with me of uh, a terrible thing that happened to them in their past, I will give them that time to do that because they put me where I am and they deserve of that opportunity just like I've had opportunities myself mm. so it's kind of giving that mutual respect
1: yeah and social. I think that's really important by the way like I get um stopped a fair bit and I actually really like it I'm sorry to admit it and I have to do a lot of photos at events and stuff yeah. and I feel like one day someone's going to come up to me and hate me and you've had that and I've never had that I've never been stopped on the street and someone shout at me. In, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, it's all good at the moment. I'm yeah. getting it all good. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember that we're. Well, why people
0: aren't as mean offline as they are online. No, true. So. And
1: but also, but it's going to happen. One day, someone's going to stop me and go. You're, You're a nice You're guy. guy. You're no. that asshole. Oh. No. Uh, but, but the point is, it's like pff, enjoyable at the moment. But I think giving people that time. Yeah. Um, and.
0: But there's, this, yeah. there's also a lesson in boundaries and, yes. and saying no to people. Okay, and,
1: and when your time finishes and when it's time to go home and see your kids.
0: Yeah, and just yeah. also, okay, so because what I'm known for, okay, there's lots of different things to discuss I'm known for, but obviously at the crux of it is that trauma. I get a lot of people offloading onto me and, mm. you know, I might be with my five-year-old daughter and someone might come to me and say I was sexually abused as a child. And I, I have to say I'm really sorry um, to hear that. Please Email me through my charity. Yeah. I can't talk to you now because my daughter can understand and it's not really appropriate. And, and it's hard to be assertive to people yeah. when, they, when they are talking to you about something really sensitive. That person might have never opened up to anyone in their life, mm. and it's difficult. And I used to take it on. I used to let people tell me catastrophic, traumatic things in nightclubs, in restaurants, wow. in bars, and, and I relapsed. I had a really... I had a problematic relationship with alcohol. I had to go back into therapy because I went around being a yes person and that's mm. not good for you. No. So it's hard. Like, British- You resent
1: people because you're giving them your time. But then, because yeah. I get this quite a lot because people pitch me all the time. That's my thing. I yeah. suppose that's the, your, my version of your thing. People pitch yeah. me all the time. And it's like, you know, like, oh, I've got to go home, see my kids. I want to see my wife before I go to bed. It's late. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people pitch me, I just have a rule. Look, just put it on a one-pager and send it to me yeah. via an email. And I will read it. Yeah. But... But it's, it's, if they pitch me, then I'm in the wrong space anyway. Yeah. But so I don't want to reject them. But if I have like a little boundary, or like, okay, cool send it on a one-pager, yeah. and then will have a read. And yeah. then I'll be in a better state. Yeah. And I, I feel like that makes me feel good.
0: Yeah, yeah. About, it's powerful yeah. to say no. And also, if you do care about people and you are passionate about people, you can't empty your cup because then you'll help nobody. Yes. You know, So you do have to... It's, it's hard because when we're British, we, we don't really speak the truth. Do you follow Very British Problem on Twitter? No, it's really no, funny. Yeah. It's all about, like, you know, if someone's, like, will ask you, like, how are you today? You're like, fine, thanks. And then it's, like, as a bubble... Horrendous, but yeah, we don't yeah, really say that, yeah. you know. So we don't want to be nasty to people. We don't want to push no. people back. But it's not like American people would just say how it is. Yeah. You actually, know, can like I just like, ask
1: you that? Because I'm fascinated with this question. And then you can sorry to interrupt you, but um, I actually don't know if it's right when people say how are you to say I'm good, thanks, or tell them the truth. And yeah. I'm, I'm completely on the fence because you study some personal development people and some salespeople that always tell people you're having an awesome day and yeah, you know, like. Show the world the best you. And I get that. Yeah. And then sometimes I think, well, actually, maybe you should just be honest.
0: I I just don't think it's black and white. I always think it's a Uh, case-by-case basis. I I feel like, you know, sometimes you need to protect yourself. You Mm. need to have privacy. You need to not confide in the wrong people. Um, And sometimes it's suitable. You know, if someone asked me how I was, and they were a person who was also living with burns and scars, who I knew for my charity... I would tell them the truth. I would say, oh, actually, I had a really bad day yesterday because of X, Y, Z, but today's better. And that might help them to be mm. like, oh, I feel like she's the strongest burn survivor out there or I feel like she always feels beautiful or I feel like she's not, she never covers up her scars, you know, and mm. that helps that person. But if it was just somebody miking me up to go on a TV show and they were like, how are you? I wouldn't be like, last night I cried into my pillow, yeah, you know? Right, yeah. So it, it, it's just
1: different, yeah, isn't just it? Just judging the situation. Yeah. And I guess the person.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's about honesty, isn't mm. it? Like, you, sometimes it, you do need to have a bit of a facade because sometimes that's that world you're in and, that, and that's important. And the, and the
1: zone you're trying to put yourself
0: in. Yeah. And then other yeah. times it's good to be honest. And, and like you said, we're seeing more honesty and that's helpful.
1: Mm. Yeah. Recently, um, I'm pretty good at being open. Mm. Like, pretty much tell everyone everything on all my podcasts. They know what I'm going on in my life. Tell them when I'm going to my doctor's, blah, blah, blah. All that sort of stuff. But I realised recently there are – So I thought I was pretty open and pretty comfortable with being vulnerable. Mm. I'm good at taking the mickey out of myself, self depreciate I'm, I'm kind of – I'm cool with all of that. Yeah. But I, I realised a couple of weeks ago, actually, there are a couple of things in my life where being vulnerable about it is really hard. Yeah. Um, so areas in which I am supposed to be the, the best in my business or mm-hmm. where everyone looks up to me or where I'm supposed to have it completely sorted, whether it's marketing or the visions of the business – I have I find it really hard to of open course, up there or yeah. if I'm ever just really struggling cuz mm. I do get overwhelmed from time to time. I know yeah. it's completely self-inflicted. I know that I never blame anybody, but like once or twice I was saying to Harry before he's like how are you doing? I was like I'm um, really overwhelmed at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and it's all my own doing because I took the super conference on and I'm doing all this, that and the other. You've I've got, got so
0: much expectation. Yeah, I've got my book yeah. launch tomorrow. My,
1: new I mean, like, it's my book launch tomorrow. It's like the, the, yeah. the second biggest day in the year. And then it's the biggest event of the year on Saturday. I mean, what idiot am I to do those? <laughs> I don't on, know. On it's
0: probably quite day. good to do it all for your energy because you're high, Yeah, you're, you know. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah. I've
1: definitely bitten off more than I can chew. Yeah. And I sat down with basically the three most important people in my life who mm-hmm. I said shared earlier. And I said... I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I just need to let you know. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. I think you should know. So that if you know, A, you can help if there's any way you can help. Or B, you can give me some space yeah. if you need to. Or C, this, these, because I'm messing up a few things. Yeah, yeah. The things I mess up are things like p- speeding tickets, parking tickets, yeah. expenses. I create a lot of chaos in Admin. yeah. I'm yeah. just like tornado. Yeah. And they knew that. And and that so I said, look, I'm struggling. Give me a bit of time. So I'll you've got
0: awareness then?
1: Yeah, well, you're I think taxing. it's the first time yeah. I've ever sat down and gone, you know what, This the area that I've normally, you all, you all look up to me, you in? Yeah. I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they, you know, they didn't need to say anything and we didn't really fix the problem. It wasn't really about that. But I think it was the first time I've really opened up and said, where well, I'm supposed to be really it. good,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm
1: actually really struggling. Yeah,
0: I think it's quite liberating to say that, though, don't yeah, you Yeah, I know, did it? feel good. Yeah.
1: And also a bit guilty at the same time. Afterwards, I was like, should I have shown that weakness? You know, like, are they going to doubt me? But yeah. then I thought... <sighs> But I've some, said it and now they can help
0: me. Sometimes in life, right, people put people on pedestals and I don't know if it's a good thing. It's like if you're an entrepreneur, it's like you're rich, you're successful, you know everything, and you'll always be rich and always be successful. And like, that's not necessarily true. You know, people go through different waves in, in, in that success, in mm. that career. And so like, I'm on this pedestal of like you're inspirational and you're like, what does that even really mean? Yeah. You know, you're, you're brave, you're strong, you're confident. And it's like, well, I don't know, like two weeks ago I had sepsis and I was crying in my hospital bed thinking I was going to die and I wasn't inspirational, I wasn't strong, I wasn't brave. So sometimes some of those labels, like if we feel like we have to live up to them, can be more of a hindrance, mm. you know, and there is somebody's interpretation of us. Yeah. Like what success is to me might not be the same to you and what inspiration is to you might not be the same to me, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Um, can we talk about materialism and then do some quick fires? Okay, So I was fascinated. I want to have this debate with as many people as possible on the planet. Yeah. And we're going to try not to push too hard on my side. Um, But I wrote a book called Money, Mm -hmm. and I I tried to show as many people as possible that the material and the spiritual are intrinsically linked and you can't separate them. And you said, look, I'm not really interested in money and cars, and I I drove up in my um, smart car and stuff. And I really admire that. Mm -hmm. I do. I really admire it. And I look at people who aren't, focused or hungry for money and i admire it but i have to be honest with myself and and there is a part of me that is motivated and driven by mm. money and i do love money
2: yeah
1: and i love the things that money brings i yeah. like to wear nice clothes and they make me feel good um i've got i you know the, the car that i dreamed of my whole life when i was a kid was a ferrari testarossa right okay and like there was a ferrari testarossa on the wall and there was Tess Daly on the wall. <laughs> Great vision board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, Tess Daly came up to me after um, Strictly.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Uh,
1: through, I was in the audience. I yeah. went, Kev got me a ticket. And I was through the audience and just said, "Hi, oh, it's Rob, you're Rob Moore. I'm a yeah. big fan. And like, oh, for wow. me, like, that was like the biggest. That's so cool. I, that was all I needed. And my yeah. wife was there as well. She was like, what? And, uh, <laughs> and like, but, you know, okay. You know, Tess is someone I was just thinking, you know, is, is lovely. Yeah. But so is the Ferrari Tesserossa. It's a beautiful piece of engineering. It yeah. looks amazing. When you drive your Ferrari past a school and there's a load of young kids and they'll stop and go, whoa, man, and they get all excited and they go back into school a bit more excited or they come up and they take a photo on it yeah. and they can, you know, have a photo with the car. That's a beautiful thing. Um, and so, when, you know, I, the, my ideal classic car, the Ferrari Tesserossa, I bought it last year and I bought it wisely because mm-hmm. there were 200 grand Two or three years ago, and I paid one hundred and five. So I'll wait for it okay, to drop. I bought right. it wisely. Uh, the money that's in it will be protected. I won't lose money. So
0: mm-hmm. is a car an investment? Then? Uh,
1: well, most of them aren't, but some of them can right. be. Okay.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, uh, what am I trying to say? There, there, there is spirit in a Ferrari Testarossa. Right. There is. I am. Um, have you seen the McQueen documentary? Uh, no. Oh, you've got to watch that. Okay. So right. Alexander McQueen.
0: Yeah.
1: Nineteen years old. He became creative director. I think it was Givenchy. Yeah. Which massive fashion brand, 19 years old, so someone young. becoming a, n- yeah. it never happened. Yeah. And on the evening of his mum's funeral on his 40th birthday, he hung himself. Yeah. And I just, I will so watch, tragic. I know. But like, but that guy got so much 21 years and he lived like a 100 year or 200 year life. Yeah. And like, I will go into McQueen and I'll quite happily spend 800 quid on a shirt or 3000 quid mm-hmm. on a jacket. Because I feel like I'm buying into spirituality, and
2: still I, connected feel like, to the yeah, I feel yeah, I feel I'm
1: buying into. A, I, I feel something emotional, like a mm. Patek Philippe watch right. or, or whatever. What, do have you got any thoughts?
0: <laughs> well, okay, I so think I'm
1: still trying to figure it out. Yeah,
0: um, so money does rule me in the sense of what I attach to money is security, right? So money makes me feel secure for the future. It gives me choice, freedom, and mm. options. But
1: like, and uh, in that regard, it's a very spiritual thing to be able to put your kids through private school. Yeah. And but who are we to judge if someone else, if someone wants a a material item or not? Yeah, I mean, mean?
0: I don't really, I accumulate money, but I don't really spend it. So like, I don't wear design. I love fashion and clothes because of identity and expression. um, But I don't buy designer clothes. So if I go to an event, I just loan a designer dress, give it back the next day for a stylist, right? My regular clothes I like Topshop, you mm. know, River Island, High Street stuff. Mm. Then I pass them on to my sister once they've been photographed. Mm. So I have, a, I don't keep and hold on to things. Yeah. Could I just I, jump in there quickly? Because yeah.
1: um So there's an argument that that's frugal and not wasteful. But yeah. But maybe there's an argument that actually if you invest in the nice handbag or the nice jacket, you're financing the artist. Like if yeah. you're... Um, I remember when Radiohead released their album in Rainbows and it was the first one where they were out of contract. I think it was in Rainbows. And they said you can pay whatever you want for the album.
2: They yeah. just put up a
1: page and said pay whatever you want. Okay. And I was skint at the time, but I remember putting in quite a lot of money. Yeah. And I was skint because I thought, I love this band. It's and like I love art, that. isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. I love Radiohead. I love their art and I want you, I want to be able to be a part. It's like fan funding, you yeah. know, like the supporter programme on Facebook or Patreon. That's how I feel about... Demars Piguet, Patek Philippe, Ferrari, Valentino, Givenchy, whatever. Um, So is there an argument that... Yeah, no. Go so, on, okay,
0: yeah. if I did a job different to mine, yes, I should buy investment pieces that I wear again that will hold a value. But a lot of the jobs I do, the brand or the TV company will say uh, no logos and an outfit that's never been photographed on your Instagram or been in other shows. Oh, wow. So, it, the ter- I'm so naive. Yeah. Of the world of so Instagram. the turnaround yeah. is is big on the clothes oh, and the course, outfits. Yeah. So I'll pass on my clothes to my sister, my my niece, whoever, and then it will always be like kind of fast fashion. Mm. But if it was. Um, so like if I if I looked at what do I spend my money on the most, it's food, right? So for me, health mm. has been such a. Thing at the forefront of my mind, so I would only buy organic food. I would never eat processed food. I would um, never eat cheap food. I would always cook from scratch. Mm. So my food bill would be in the hundreds of pounds just for seven days because it's always fresh food. But other people would be like, "Oh my god, I wouldn't spend that. Like I wouldn't buy if if I can get blueberries for ninety nine p, I wouldn't buy them for three ninety nine. I wouldn't go to the farm shop for my." veg, and then the butchers for my meat. Well, I do all that because that's, like, my biggest investment. Mm. I want to live long. I don't want my injuries to shorten my life. I want to meet my kids' kids. Mm. You know, that's, like, my goal. That's my aspiration. So my investment in my food is, for me, investment in living longer. I have private medical insurance and I pay for the best, the the top thing I can get for every single illness because I know what it's like to be on a waiting list, not to be able to access treatment in this country. So that for me isn't a waste of money. Mm. Similarly, I've been at the other end where I had no money and like I said, it was on benefits and it didn't really change my situation if it had been the opposite. And then I went through a legal process where where I could apply for criminal compensation and... um, I hate actually talking about it because it makes me want to cry. But the paperwork is horrible. The paperwork is like list what happened to you, your injuries, and how it changed your life and what it's worth. And you're like, I was raped. I had my face melted. I'm blind and nobody wants to know me. Nobody wants to be with me. I can't work. How much is it worth? Nothing. It's irrelevant. Mm. You could give me millions and it's not, there isn't a price. It doesn't matter. Mm. I got criminal compensation and did nothing with it for two and a half years. Like, I almost didn't... It was horrible. Was was there, like,
1: like guilt around using the money or something? It was
0: just, like, blood money. It's horrible. Yeah. I I gave a lot of it to, like, people in family that had supported me, paid for me, I'd lived rent-free. And then the rest of it, I just just used it for my first property, residential property, but... Which is a
1: good use of the money.
0: Yeah, it is, but it was, like, my first... Like, I was young, right, and I always thought, I want to be rich, I want to be famous... I'm rich and famous now, but...
1: But now you want something else. Yeah. Because that's life.
0: But it just taught me, for some people, money is the centre of their universe. Yeah. Not necessarily negatively, but for me it became an irrelevant current mm. currency. And I can say that because I had it, didn't have it, had it in extreme. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So my relationship with money is a bit weird in so that way. let jump
1: in there because I think this is a, we're getting somewhere with this. I'm, okay. Um, so your relationship with money. Yeah. I think this is the key. What's your relationship with money? um it's a bit
0: awkward yeah it is (laughs) and
1: and also you've had money you've lost money yeah you've lost money and and I've had something similar I've been skint and an Mm -hmm. artist you know I've made money I've probably at times been a bit material focused I set up my charity to be not so material focused um but I think the key thing here is money is a universal exchange of value it is a unit of account it is a store of value for an uncertain future it's a good hedge against an uncertain future you know if um like tomorrow, money will be worth nearly as much as it is today, so you can save it. And, yeah. and um, that's all money is. Yeah. So, all the, the pain you felt about blood money, yeah. it's your emotions put onto it. Yeah. All the, the guilt I've had around having money when I was skin, uh-huh. and then the pleasure I've had of having money when I'm rich, but then the guilt of having pleasure of yeah. money. All of these. It's got less stuff. It is. It? It's yeah. all us, yeah. it's not money.
0: I mean, if you have a charity, you can experience how much happiness and a break from repression mm. it gives people. And that's like, you know, if we do like basic things in my charity, like go to someone's house at a house fire...
1: And, so um, i'm going to have to just lick this i, mean, <laughs> I have to get, gonna get, every get your bit out of it
0: <laughs> so yeah we'll go to someone's house that mm-hmm. a house fire and we'll go and do a checklist replace the carpets replace yeah. the sofa give them budget to paint the walls you know mm. that that's, that's great great because you can see that money mm. will help them move forward psychologically and restart yeah. their life you but, know
1: yes and you have to be in a su- successful secure financial footing to be able to give your money away to charity well
0: I don't know, that's another debate. The most wealthiest people aren't necessarily the most charitable. True. In my experience, yeah, yeah. when we're trying to raise money and you're doing a dinner, you can't just go through the rich list and hope these people sit around the table because they might give nothing.
1: But, yeah, but they might give everything and you might not know that.
0: Yeah. I well, mean, it, Bill Bartman,
1: yeah. he spent most of his life becoming a billionaire and now he's just giving it all away. But Bill, some Bill of Gates the, most, the same. Yeah, but yeah. some of the
0: most generous people aren't the most wealthy.
1: True, but some of the most poor people are the least generous as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm not trying to impose my this is right, this is wrong. It's just a discussion. Mm. I really want to get out there more.
0: Maybe I should just go and spend more money. Maybe well, I should just look, go and buy a handbag. <laughs> or, or maybe
1: you should just do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, that's right for you. I, I guess I want people to have a good relationship with money.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm trying my best to have a good relationship with money. You know, we've got Harry here who's come down. And if Harry, um, what's that Canon E? What's that? c C100. Is that a good camera? Yes, a camera. Okay, so I guess you feel you can do better work with a good camera? Yeah, and these mics, are these cheap? They're £1,000 a piece. £1,000 a piece. So, like, if, if you're an artist, which I believe everybody who listens to this podcast, you're an artist of some degree. Yeah. You're a creator, you're a producer, you're a creative, you're an artist. If you can have really great equipment and things that make you feel good and valuable and you can do great work... You can do great
0: work. Yeah. No, absolutely. I suppose, um, then I suppose to summarise, uh, my relationship with money might sometimes be governed by fear because I've experienced being oppressed by somebody or Mm. something. And I've gone through, like, legal trials and extensive medical treatment where money would have helped to get the best representation, to get the best treatment. Um, So I fear ever being destroyed by something, somebody, or oppressed by something. So I feel, I feel like if I hold on to my money and don't fritter my money, yes. that's my security blanket right. in that way. But I suppose it changes when you have children because really your money is just for your kids, mm. you know, and, and you're responsible to provide for them. And when you're self-employed, that responsibility weighs on you, mm. you know, more than anything.
1: So. I think that is a quite a profound statement because basically what you've said is your driver and relationship with money is based on your life experience. Yeah. And, and the, mine is too. So in my childhood... I was really overweight. Right. And I felt like I was bullied by everybody. I remember being stat- I, I was probably nine or ten years old, and if there's any children – I need to be aware of this now because a lot of people listen to my podcast in the car. So if there's any children in the car, I'm about to swear. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was stood watching a game of football with a load of older kids and I love football. And yeah. I had my football kit on, or my Liverpool football kit, right. the, the big football that was too big, the gloves that were too big, and I stood at the, the side of the pitch – and you know, like, the kid who stood at the side of the pitch that wants to play the game, mm. and all these lads are playing. They're much older. And a, and a lad came over, and he sort of bent down. He went, all right, mate, how you doing? You watching the game? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he said, do you want to come and play? And I went, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And he went, you can't fuck off, you fat fucker.
0: Really? And he just
1: pointed in my face, and he just said that. And that just... That's awful. That just... Pff, and, like, I went home crying my eyes out or And that whatever. stayed
0: with you stayed to this day. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel
1: it now. And um, for me, being overweight was... Um, No one liked me. No girl wanted to look at me. You know, and look, I've not had it. You've had a much more traumatic experience and I've definitely come to terms with it. And it's It's good in my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just upsides and downsides. But I realised that the need for attention, respect, love, connection, all of those things I didn't get. Yeah. For me, that is often what I use money for.
0: Yeah, but I think that's basic needs, and I think that's okay, and 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 that's not a bad thing to feel guilty about. Mm. You know, I think that's all right.
1: Three hundred thousand pound Lamborghini is not a basic <laughs> need, though. <laughs> but no. it makes me feel like I'm worth something.
0: Yeah, and is is that wrong? This worst thing well, no, happening it's, it's in it's the not world. wrong. You're working yeah. for it. You're. It's yours. It's not yeah. like you're a criminal. You know, it's mm. not.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I, I think. I mean, look. This is. I wrote a whole book about it, but this is the message I want to get out to the world. It's like. You know, try and have a good relationship with money. Yeah. Don't feel guilty about the way you want to use money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also if you get smart with investing it, because private school for kids is so expensive. Yeah, I don't is. care if you earn $10 million a year. When you see the fees for two kids at a, an expensive school go out at the end of the month, you're like,
0: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I so need it. to write 50 books. And it depends yeah. what you believe in, because you could spend all that money on education, but for some children, that doesn't flick their switch. That's mm. not them. They are creative. They're not academic. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big, you know, people send their kids to private school um, who aren't necessarily wealthy, but mm. they decide to. that's where their income's going to go. That's their yeah. investment. So, yeah, so, so
1: we're all using our money. For the things that are most important to us in our life. Yeah. And I think it's easy to judge how other people use money like it's wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, for me, mine is health and my kids. But actually, it's none of my business if someone else is, is a car or is a jumper because mm. actually, if that's giving them happiness and fulfilment and making them tick, like, that's what we all strive for mm. and that's the most important thing.
1: Mm. Ooh, good discussion.
2: <laughs> Should we do some quick fires? Okay, go yeah, on
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you can right. answer them as, as, as quick or as um, long as you like. Yeah. Um, Right. These next two questions I don't think are very good questions. Oh,
2: okay. But (laughs) they get good
1: answers often. Oh, oh, no pressure. um, Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: (sighs) Well, it was around um, not wasting time on the things that don't matter with the people that do matter and again that was when life was at a real scary crossroads and you kind of look back and think oh my god you know that you look back at relationships with people the things you said that you shouldn't are the things you wished you had and it kind of makes you prioritize your time and what you're doing and going back to currency you know that was your most valuable currency your mo- the one you can't get back so mm. yeah i think it's always seeing your time as a currency and prioritizing
1: love it What's the worst advice you've ever received?
0: Well, it's been a bit a fair bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I suppose it was around risk and um, aspiring for normal and, and security and what, what security was to that person and and not to take any risk at all, because that, I suppose that's that person's version of being safe, yeah. you know. Um, but, it's, it, you know, I was a big risk taker in my 20s, and sometimes maybe not risk taker, maybe reckless, and actually that there's a difference between being reckless and a risk taker. So I think then because of the recklessness, then I had a period of taking no risk at all, and that was quite stagnant, whereas if now, I would say, going back to that measured risk, you know, now I, I take measured risks, which other people might be a bit like, oh, mm. I wouldn't do that if mm. I were you. Yeah. You know, like some people might have thought, after what happened to me, if I had compensation, why didn't I just set up a regular business with predictability? Why would I go into an unpredictable world where you are still judged on your appearance and, mm. and your worth? Like, is that good for you psychologically? Well, I'm OK with taking that risk because I feel like now I'm robust enough to do that.
1: Great. Love it. Thank that you. That was a long answer, No, no, it? it's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> is there one thing in the world that you believe is really wrong that you'd like to change?
0: Oh, God, that's a bit of a controversial question because of all the politics that's happening at the moment. I think there's a lot of things fundamentally wrong in politics, society, our legal system, Um But that's probably a whole other debate, you know, that you'd have to unpick. And, you know, I've made a lot of documentaries in prisons. I've made a lot of documentaries of people that have been wronged, that haven't received justice. I've worked with people who have had children murdered. Um, And, you know, when you start to look into our legal system, the parole board, it's, it's really quite frightening. Like some of it's not fit for purpose.
1: Yeah. Mm, okay, well, hopefully that can get better at some point.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a political person yeah. particularly, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, I think that we're going to experience some big changes. We can all feel that anyway, mm. can't we? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so this podcast, the, the theme is disruptive. Oh, right, and, okay. Um, I feel like the luckiest person on the planet because I get to look in the world and go, who do I think fits the disruptive brand the most? I get to choose to meet people who I'm fans of. Um, And I think in many areas of your life, you've been elegantly disruptive. (laughs) (laughs) Not David Iickstar disruptive, who I also interviewed. Um, So what does that word mean to you, disruptive?
0: Well, it was probably just the word that was always in my school report when (laughs) I (laughs) was younger. No, I suppose it is about being unapologetically you and doing things that people say you shouldn't because... So, like, when everything happened to me, people would place limitations on me, which probably also is a- an answer to that previous question of the worst advice given to me. You know, people are like, what are you going to do now because you can't do X, Y, and Z because you don't fit that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm just going to go against that and try it anyway. I'm getting rejected anyway. My life's a mess anyway. So what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like I would put a picture of myself on social media with no makeup on and you know my face is a skin graft i don't look like kim kardashian and some people feel that social media is a place for hot sexy glamorous girls well this is me i accept that and i put it out there i will get people trolling my appearance Not everybody, a small section of people will, and a lot of other people won't. So for me, being disruptive is just being unapologetically me in spaces where people might say I don't belong. Mm. And that might not always turn out well for me, but that doesn't matter. Because if I have genuine acceptance, I I don't look for that gratification for other people. Mm. That that won't fulfil me or make me more confident if Linda from Leeds thinks I'm pretty, you know?
1: Mm. That's really powerful, being – the first thing I think you said was being unapologetically you. And yeah. A few people in my podcast recently have talked about, you know, being the, the true the true version of you. Um, do you follow Ricky Gervais on social media?
0: Um, a little – not religiously. I mean, he's very like, – quite pro-animal rights. Yeah. He's quite political he in is. his, his yeah. thing,
1: yeah. So the reason I say that is because he quite inspires me in this area. Because right. Because he'll do a photo of himself – like with the the, the phone that fuck close to him, up his nose with the oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. and you know, he'll do lives naked. And, oh, you does know, he? Yeah, oh my and he God. just like, I check
2: that out. yeah, exactly. And it's
1: just like, <laughs> this is me. This is who I am. Yeah. Now I know he's a comedian, and it probably lends itself to that. But that quite inspired me. I've done lives in the bed, lives in the bath. I just try and yeah. think people don't really care how many wrinkles I've got on my forehead, and people don't care, uh, don't follow me for that. And that links to, to the next point, which is I think a lot of people want to be accepted for who they are. Well, I think everyone on the planet does. Yeah, OK. But if you don't show the world who you really are, how can you be accepted for who you really are? Because if you're showing the world a false version of you, people can only know and accept the false version of you, not the real version of you. And then they will follow or like or fall in love with the false version of you, not the real you. And then when you show the real you then there's a disconnect.
0: Well, that's what screws the young people up because that's what I never get when the girls Photoshop their bodies and everything. And I'm like, oh, you're like hyping up the product yeah, too much. Stop doing
1: photos there yeah. because it might make it's you look like, better. But as soon as we meet you, we're like, wait a minute. You're a dwarf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, if
0: I would never overmarket a product so when people buy it, they're disappointed. Mm. You know, If I'm going to Photoshop my whole face completely different, when you meet me, mm. you might find it a bit awkward because you might be like, oh, she looks so different. And that's going to make it harder for me because I've like oversold myself. <laughs> But maybe if I just show you the real me all the time, when you meet me, you might think, oh, she looks better than she even did online, you know. But also I think it's very different with me because what you're saying about, you know, show people you, blah, 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 that luxury got taken away from me, right? I had a severe disfigurement, right? Obviously I've recovered, I'll never fully recover, the damage is permanent. But for a good six years, I walked around with a bright purple face, wearing a plastic face mask with a shaved head, Right, that was like six years of my twenties when everyone's in their prime. I didn't have a sexual relationship for like five years in my in my twenties. I didn't even hold hands with a guy, and it's it's like it really messes you up. It's really difficult. Some people might have accidents that are life changing that they can wear a roll neck and cover until they really get to know someone and then maybe show them you know know. like for me it was there all the time my main communication point you trust somebody on their aesthetics of their face you communicate with somebody on their expression I couldn't express because my face was locked into a mask so it was really difficult to get people to trust me engage with me look me in the eyes fancy me was even off the agenda you know so I had to say this is me and I was forced to so in a way it makes it easier now to be unapologetically me you know I've well walked that long journey where I don't genuinely care if people say things about me or reject me because it wasn't an option for so yeah. long okay it is an option now I could put pictures of me in a bikini and photoshop myself to give me a massive ass that's in fashion <laughs> yeah. but what's the point you yeah. know like yeah, I have in 10 years it'll be a skinny <laughs> arse exactly again, right? yeah like does it, it it doesn't change anything like it's completely pointless and it messes you up and I've already been messed up through other things mm. I don't want to go and mess myself up you mm. know
1: so there's a common question that goes around on podcasts that I try and avoid. Okay. But I asked this um, to Rosemary Connolly. I went to see her oh, on yeah. Monday. She's lovely.
0: She's a legend. And she
1: is, and yeah. she's lovely. Um, and I'm going to ask it to you because I think it's really relevant. So the, the question that goes around a lot of podcasts is, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, and it's a good question. I just want to stay away from what everyone else does. But I'm going to ask you it because I think it's really relevant. So if you now could go back to the you the day or the hour before what happened, mm. what advice would you give to yourself?
0: Absolutely nothing. Because the police told me that once I was involved with the person I was with, that was it. And I was lucky I wasn't murdered. So this was the this was the better outcome over not being murdered. Um, and, you know, if I look through all of my life, not just that event, everything of my younger self, all the happiness, all the dark times has led me to where I am today and all the characteristics I have. And it's... Not being a realist to be like, oh, I'd go back and I'd I'd rewrite the past and I'd change all the bad stuff. You can't do that. Like, you have to take the dark with the light and you have to accept that. And just like we don't want to teach our kids everything's fluffy and cotton wool wrap them, you can't go and erase your past and the bad bits of your life and expect to be the strong person you are now. So, again, it's acceptance. I accept my past. And it wasn't always easy and some parts might haunt me. Mm -hmm. But it was me and I accept me. So no advice. Keep going, hon. Love it. Yeah, yeah keep going, hon. That's the <laughs> yeah, advice. Keep that's going.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. So um, earlier on, you shared your podcast and one of your books. Can you yeah. now share where people should follow you?
0: Um, okay. Another book. <laughs> well, if they want any more, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter as. And what's your, your profile? It's Katie Piper underscore. Yeah. Um, my books are on Amazon, um, supermarkets, bookshops. Are you, um, are
1: you on Audible? Do you do with
0: your I sessions? do Audible as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've got quite a lot of audio. I think most of my books are on audiobook now, um, and my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People, mm. and my book. My, my first, my autobiography was Beautiful and there was a part two, Beautiful Ever After. Mm. And then uh, the self-help books have really been about um, confidence and overcoming adversity. Uh, there was Things Get Better, Confidence, The Secret, most recently the Confidence, The Journal. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, and actually, and if you're listening to this and you need help directly with burns or scars, um, my charity, the Katie Piper Foundation, we are funding patients to go through an inpatient facility up in Liverpool as well, so please apply to us. Great. Thank you very much. Great. We're thank done. Oh my god. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank I can't you. this is my bucket list. I've been on your podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I learnt. this was so much fun. How long did we go? That was almost an hour
0: and a half. Wow. Oh, that's there good. Go. Not not too long, but not, not kind of too brief.
1: Yeah. Did you enjoy yeah. it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, obviously I really respect you and I've I've learnt a lot from a lot of your content over you know, since I've kind of discovered Mm. you. So, yeah, it's quite nice to come on a different podcast, like you said, not a journalist, you Mm. know. Mm. So, yeah. Well,
1: um... I do these questions because I just sometimes have this really scary moment that I, there's going to be that pregnant pause. Yeah, I
0: always think that yeah. when I do mine. Yeah, I always have a backup, yeah. yeah.
1: But the best ones are always when I never even look. Yeah. And I feel like they are, so... Yeah. And for me, it's really important that people come on the podcast and enjoy their time. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I loved so, it. Um, it was good. And yeah. I'm really high
1: on this coffee. I am so yeah. high
0: on this coffee.
1: <laughs> oh, like, you could, have, you could have trolled me and I would have just loved this. So.
0: If you enjoyed the interview, like and subscribe.